out of the park baseball is already the best baseball simulator out there and it's gotten even better with the release of their new perfect team mode perfect team is their foray into the ultimate team card collecting modes that have revolutionized the online experience for sports games if you already have ootp 19 then you have perfect team just go to the home page and click perfect team on the right hand side and you'll begin with your six starter packs to build the team. And from there, you can choose to open more packs or dive into the robust auction house and use perfect points to craft the team that you want. The depth of players is truly amazing with a card for every player present on an MLB roster, as well as legendary throwbacks like Babe Ruth, Walter Johnson, Cy Young, like Daryl Strawberry, Larry Walker, Manny Ramirez, all the way down to novelty players like Bob Euchre and Snuffy Sternweiss. That's right. I said Snuffy Sternweiss. That's a real player. Once you have your team, you build your lineups, you build your rotation, you pick the strategy that you want. You want to run a small ball team. You want to be a full sabermetrician. You want to be somewhere in between. You want to run an unorthodox. You can choose you know, how often that you're stealing, how often you're using shifts, the slowness or quickness of the hook for pitchers and relievers. A lot of detail there that you can set for the team and how it will run during the simulations. Uh, and once you set all that, you submit your team and the game simulates outcomes every 30 minutes from 9 a.m. to midnight central. Seasons run from Monday to Sunday with every day of the week covering a month and then Sundays covering the playoffs. Will you make the playoffs and be promoted to the next level or finish with one of the worst records in the league and possibly face relegation down to a previous level? Download the game for just $20 at ootpdevelopments.com and use code SLEEPER19 for a 10% discount at checkout. That's ootpdevelopments.com. Episode 633 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It's Friday, January 25th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, and I'm joined by Justin Mason. Justin, what's going on, man? Well, it is another beautiful day in paradise. It is actually sunny uh, and fairly warm, actually, here in, in California. So, uh, Same. It's like mid-60s. So I can deal with that. I'm not sure. Uh, I think we're about that high, too. Like, uh, But it's still. And uh, everyone knows I love to complain about the cold. I absolutely despise it. But I will actually say that even something in the 40s is perfectly tolerable if it's still. Wind is what the is the devil. Mm. Wind is the problem. Not to go off on a whole weather tangent. Is but that more me, like because you're so skinny you could like be picked up by it? It's more that it punches you in the face. Mm. Okay. That's, um, that's why you need a beard. Yeah, actually that would that would definitely help with it. But that that's why I'll never get behind the whole um you know or, or even really listen to it i'm i'm, I'm hard lined on this i don't even listen to the other side on uh being hot versus being cold because no matter how hot it is i never get to a point where like you can be in pain but like bone chilling cold because of wind is a disaster anyway you guys well, heard me I, right i'd love to give you like a hundred pounds of mine and then tell me heat doesn't bother you yeah i'm telling you i'd still prefer it but you know what it's all about what you're acclimated to, and I'm sure body type does play a role. I'm a twig out here looking like Carl Edwards, Chris Sale, Taylor Swift, the four of us, you know. 
we're a little, we're a, little, <laughs> we're a sack of sticks there. So um, I'm sure those three don't like the cold either. But we do have a nice day today, both of us. And we have a lot to talk about. We're actually going to start our position previews. Very excited about that. We don't go in the traditional order of just catcher all the way to pitcher. Um, we prioritize, get the, the best positions out early because I think um, it's it's worth doing that. Not that we like lose steam or anything, but I like to. I, I don't. I don't want to build up necessarily. I don't think we need to go around the diamond. We did this last year. I think it worked really well. So we're going to start with arguably the deepest position on the infield, which is shortstop, and we're going to dive in on several tiers there. But first, we do have a few transactions, including one biggie, and it's AJ Pollock out to the Dodgers in a little bit of a surprise move, if only because when they made the big trade with Cincy. Everyone thought it was clearing the path for Harper. Now, Harper's not out of the question still because on the heels of this, uh, or actually in the front of the uh, Pollock move, we were hearing that it was contingent on the Jock Peterson move. Well, clearly it wasn't because Jock Peterson's not gone, but they still seem to be aggressively looking to move him, and that could then open things right back up for Harper because honestly you would rather have Harper not be in a corner outfield position anyway. And you could go Harper, Pollock, Bellinger or Bellinger, Pollock, Harper uh, left to right, depending on how you want it. So Jock Peterson could still move, but let's focus on AJ Pollock out and a, I believe a four year deal, 55 mil. We don't really care about the dollars. We're really focused on the player and the team slotted into the leadoff spot, center field spot, AJ Pollock as a Dodger. How do you feel about it? I feel pretty good because I do think this kind of signifies the fact that they're not going to assign the uh, Harper. So as a Giants fan, this is awesome. Because <laughs> you, don't, you don't want them to sign Harper. Yeah. I no, I did not want to watch Harper playing in a Dodger uniform for Dominate years. for them. Yeah. So from, yeah, from a purely fan perspective, uh, this is a great day. Or Yesterday was a great day in, uh, in Giants history. Uh in terms of fantasy value, I don't know that this changes a ton for me. Yeah. I think, I mean, it's obviously going to be a better lineup, so the counting numbers will go up, but uh, Pollock still has a hard time staying on the field. I don't know that I buy that he will be able to get back to his 2015 form when he got 157 games played, hit 20 home runs, and stole 39 bases. The lack of steals last season was really uh, shocking. Uh, in 113 games, he only stole 13 bases, which was the fewest yeah. he had stolen since 2013. Uh, Pollock is do you think, still... Do you think there's uh, some self-preservation there, though, going I'm into sure. his contract year? And maybe saying, you know... Because we talk about injury-proneness, and our own Jeff Zimmerman has done articles showing that that can be a tag that's misapplied often. Just because you get hurt doesn't necessarily mean you're injury-prone, particularly if it's not chronic injuries. That said, I do lean toward a measure of injury-proneness for Pollock because of the way he plays, not so much because of his body, but when you are playing all out and kind of a, you know, put your body out there at all costs. I think Kevin Kiermaier has a similar thing. They go all out. Harper. And defensive Harper did it until this year. Mm -hmm. he, he peeled back, and his defense suffered for it. But – same sort of deal. So I wonder if there is a little bit of that with Pollock. And maybe he said, you know what? I'm still very efficient on the bases. He was 13 for 15. Fantastic success. But he wasn't going to go as often. I don't know if that was a conscious decision or not. Um, because he still only played 113 games anyway. 
But I do wonder if maybe he amps it back up and gets back up to the 20-plus this year with the Dodgers. Do you feel like Pollock could do that? Or or rather, of course he could. Do you mm-hmm. think he will? I think that he'll fall short of that. Okay, but uh, more than the more than the thirteen, I guess volume matters too. What what do you put him for a volume, right? Because we got one fifty seven, twelve, one twelve, one thirteen, and that one fifty seven is a clear outlier. He hasn't he hasn't topped one thirty seven in his career beyond that, and he has a couple of um, double digit seasons, seventy five and twelve games, and fourteen and sixteen respectively for Pollock. So where do you have him on a playing time measure? There's no way you can say six hundred uh, as a as a projection. I think he is probably right where he was last year. So, I mean, he did 460 uh, plate appearances last year, 466 the year before. I think you would be foolish to project more than that. Yeah, you're uh, asking to, you know, so, you're asking for trouble with that. Yeah, so I think you say he's going to play in 110, 115 games, get 460 plate appearances, hit 17 home runs, steal. 15 16 bags uh, okay. and you know hit 260 265 which is a very good player but considering where he's going and the price will only go up after signing with the Dodgers agreed uh, I'm I'm completely out on Pollock so on um by the baseball HQ forecaster $18 player each of the last 2 years cuz they were pretty similar seasons basically traded some those steals for extra homers he went 14 and 20 in 17 21 13 with the homer steals last year so really kind of a trade-off not surprised that the bottom line ended up being the same um that he's the 32nd outfielder we're going to be using nfbc average draft data today and we're going to go from uh one one from january 1st and nfbc draft champions leagues only and so you'll see 17 leagues worth and in that time frame Pollock has a 117 ADP, the 32nd outfielder off the board. Our boy Will Myers just ahead of him, and up-and-comer Eloy Jimenez just behind him, which is interesting because you figure Eloy Jimenez is going to miss time due to not being called up yet, so he could have a similar playing time or even maybe a little bit more if he's called up uh, you know, a couple weeks into the season and Pollock misses the time that we expect. Do you like that? Uh, you mentioned his price is a little high. What do you think of that range of the guys that are around him, though? That's an interesting range because, I mean, Will Myers has the exact same problem. Correct. If he stays on the field, I think he can be a monster. And if Pollock stays on the field, I think he can be a monster too. So uh, that's probably fair. It's just I, there are guys going behind him that I think I prefer. Like David Peralta seems criminally underrated. And I, I was Love talking uh, with Clay Link, and he was the one who actually pointed it out to me. Uh, because he was all like, why is David Peralta going so late? And I was like, because he's David Peralta. He goes, well, do the math on it. And I, you know, I kind of sat. I was, he's I was, older, too. Yeah. I was, I was, uh, people just don't like him that much. Yeah. Well, I think he's just not a sexy option. Correct. And even I if agree. his power regresses a little bit, like he's still going to exceed where he's going in drafts. So He's a batting average guy, too, and I love that. And one, of, one, thing, one of the reasons I loved Peralta last year was batting average late. Because he was going much later than this, uh, you know. Obviously, on the heels of a breakout 30 homer season for Peralta, he has moved up. But I still think he hasn't moved up commensurate with his skills. I agree with you that he's intriguing. Uh, I've professed my love for Aaron Hicks a million times. He's going a little bit after Pollock, also an injury concern type of guy. I would rather just have Hicks um, between the two. I, they're kind of similar, and so it's basically personal preference. I will I will admit that there's not a major difference, and you are dreaming on 600 plate appearances for Pollock or Hicks as a 
as and they're an going right season. at the same spot yeah, as each other. Seven picks seven apart. Picks, so. I, like, I don't think it's necessarily a bad spot. I do think the price will go up signing with the Dodgers as opposed That's to... That's the part. Yep. Uh, and so I'm trying to... I should probably look and see. I'm in a draft champions league right now. And Which you're doing very well in, by the way. Yeah, I, I, lo- I love my team, but uh, <laughs> I'm sure Pollock is already gone. We just entered the... Ni- we're about halfway through the ninth round. So, uh, yeah, AJ Pollock went in the... Seventh round. Okay. So, 15 team league, that's what, like uh, 75? That's right in line with what he he was. No, seventh round. Oh, no, that'd be about a. a, About pick 100. Yeah. Yeah. So, So just. So, he's moving up, like you said. We have a 17, a 117 ADP for Pollock uh, based on this data. League context, like, or, or team context. If you're. If you have a bunch of stable guys in your offense ahead of him, then then you're not worried about uh, injury guys and things like that. Like you don't have like Lorenzo Cain and your you know guys guys who probably gonna miss some time here and there. Then Pollock's probably worth the gamble. Yeah. But if you have gambled on like a a, a Vlad, uh, if you gambled on a guy who might miss time. Uh, or you know a David Dahl, for instance, like you can't add more injury risk, especially in a in a draft champions where you can you're not going to be able to pick guys up. Exactly, you got your fifty and that's it. You don't want to have too many major risks like that because you will find yourself in June mm-hmm. not being able to field a full lineup. I, I've I ran been into there that last year in, in it, one it's... of my draft champions. Like I, I could not, I did not have a shortstop. You don't think month. it can happen, and then it can it can absolutely get you. Obviously, the obvious position where it can happen is catcher, but it, you can get you can get got in the outfield too. So you have to be careful. I agree with you um, uh, with regards to how your team is set up. Whether or not you want to take a guy like Myers, Pollock, and Hicks, that's why they're kind of all going together. I think Brantley's kind of in there too, where you're going to factor in some missed time. And of course, Jimenez, like I said, not coming up till a little bit later into the season. We don't know exactly when, but he's on. Very unlikely to break camp. So that's A.J. Pollock to the Dodgers. We like the move. The price isn't unfair, but like you said, it's going to go up from this 117. And so if we liked it here, maybe we're not going to like it as much in the 90s. Yeah, he starts going over like Justin Upton and uh, Eddie Rosario and guys like that I'm, or Conforto. I'm going to have some real issues with that. Yeah, our boy Puig. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, think I'm, I think I'm just going to go with Puig. They might have similar or concerns I just but then you go personal preference at that point for me at the week so okay uh, a couple small moves here just get your quick thoughts on them Drew Pomeranz on the heels of a rough season out to your Giants so you know anytime a pitcher goes to San Francisco because of that park and it, it's so helpful you have to pay you have to pay some consideration to it in 74 innings he had a brutal 608 ERA a 177 whip strikeouts were okay but the walks home runs through the roof it was just a lost season for Drew Pomeranz but before that he put up 144 innings of a 332 ERA it was actually the um they say 104 I meant 244 344, excuse me. Math is hard. Uh, but yeah, back-to-back seasons of about 170 at 332 on the dot in both 16 and 17 for Pomeranz. Had a 127 whip uh, over a strikeout per inning in that time. Yeah, about an average walk rate, about an average home run rate. You figure the average walk, uh, the average home run rate should come down in San Francisco. Um, 
this is kind of intriguing. Health's obviously consideration, but you talk about a, a cheap pick, a late flyer. I don't know that this move even out to San Francisco is going to raise Pomerantz's price to something that would be cost prohibitive because he's going five ninety nine right now. You can add two hundred picks to that, and he's still going very cheap. You know, you put him in put him in the three fifty range. I'll give you an idea of who that'd be around. That'd be around Zach Eflin, Vince Velasquez, my boy Brandon Woodruff. Um, other starters would be not Swarzak, uh, Matt Strom could could be a starter. Matt I'll take Harvey. All those guys over Pomeranz. Not but that's say- if he goes up the 200 picks. Oh, well, for sure. Okay, then, yeah. Because currently, currently he's Good. around, um, let's see. Me? Oh, you. Damn yeah. it. Took my <laughs> I was actually going to name like four industry guys. Oh, Mike Gianella, Clay Link, Matt Modica. There's Drew Pomeranz. Gianella and, and like Derek Van Riper, like th- those are two guys. They're, they're tall, like kind of guys. I bet they've got a pretty good. Gianella is crafty. Yeah, I think I think Nick Paul. You know, he was a college pitcher. So he was legit. I'm, yeah. I'm still putting him over Pomeranz. Um, here's where Pomeranz is going around currently. That what I said first would be if he raised 200 plus picks. Uh, but currently, it's Denelson Lamet, who's not who's going to be out for a long time. I mm-hmm. don't really see the point of drafting him. Uh, Frankie Montas, Eric Fetty, AJ Puck, who has the same issue as Lamet, uh, uh, returning from TJ this year. Sean Manaya not even pitching this year, right? He's out the entire year, isn't he? Uh, there's been rumors that he may be back sooner than people expected, but okay. that that being the case, you still avoid him everywhere. Yeah. So I mean, Pomerantz is free. He'll go up based on this, but I don't even know that. I was saying that the craziest case I think he would go up would be up to the three eighties, three maybe three fifty. I don't even know if he'll do that. Exactly. Uh, so I would take a shot. Yeah, why not? I mean, it, it, in a fifty, you know, round draft and hold fifteen team, uh, like I'm in right now, uh, NL only in the forties. Put him in you know? reserve. Yeah, reserve. The forties rounds. Yeah. So, um, yeah, even, I, I, I mean, even last round. I mean, he's no one's yeah, going to be feasibly get him in the fiftieth. Let me see if he was even taken in my draft and hold. Um, let's see. Let me go back to Pomerantz real I mean, quick. The question is, can he work with the Giants? Clay know, got him. Uh, pitching uh, uh, coaches and figure out uh, how to stop walking so many guys. I mean, Correct. the homers, like you said, will just come down just on a basis of where he's at. Uh, and Maybe some of the walk issues was pitching in Boston. I mean, he had the walk issues forever, yeah, the though. the walk issues have been – I mean, they but weren't as bad as they were last year. Uh, in other Maybe places. he'll be more comfortable in San Francisco to, to mm-hmm. work in the zone a bit more. Yeah, health is a major key for Pomeranz. Clay got him at a whopping 738. Wow. <laughs> so you're talking um, literally last round. That was literally the 50th round. Yeah, because, see, and uh, I think that's like the place for him. There's not a ton of upside here. This isn't a guy who's going to break out, and so people tend to avoid those guys at the end because everybody wants like, oh, what if this guy, especially after last year with Juan Soto being on yep. no draft champions teams, uh, there's going to be people looking at Royce Lewis and looking at, uh, you know, maybe guys who are in high A or, or Wander Franco is going to yeah. get taken in some of those Tatis leagues. Justin is going to get taken yep. in a number of leagues and things like that. And that's that's where people are going to be using the late picks. Uh, and so if you need a guy that is just going to get you innings and you can stream them at home uh, in, you know, against, you know, maybe team teams that don't hit, hit uh, lefties well, uh, 
Pomeranz might be an interesting guy. I don't know what the Giants are doing from like a team perspective because this knocks. Uh, they haven't done anything. Well, they re-signed the Derek Holland, so they uh, knock Andrew Suarez and Chris Stratton out of the rotation. Yeah, um, which angers you greatly. Well, I mean, the Chris Stratton part aside, Suarez actually is an interesting. He guy. pitched well. Yeah. Yeah. And he's he's not a he's not going to overpower you with anything in particular, but he's kind of a kitchen sink guy. And do they okay? Do they think that they're like potential like long shot contenders? Because this rotation says we have a shot. Bumgarner. I mean that they think they do. Not I'm not saying that. I'm it's... wondering if this is a precursor to them trading Bumgarner. Okay, and so then you bring Stratton back in, and then you trade Samarja. You can't look at this team. Uh and go this team's competing the offense is brutal but if you could find if you could magic dust some health it's bumgarner samarja Derek holland Derek rodriguez drew pomeranz you could see a scenario where that works particularly at home but why do they have only one guy who's under uh 20 uh, who's under 30 actually because bumgarner's going uh, into his age 30 season here you have 30 34 32 27 and 30 are the ages for this rotation my guess is team. they're they're putting together trade pieces so i hope so they're I gonna hope, hope so. samarja shows health is back yep. to form uh they can move him they're gonna move bumgarner at some point because last year of his deal Derek holland's on a one-year deal so they're gonna move him so Suarez and Stratton will get back into the rotation. It just seemed maybe they're thinking, well, if we can fix Drew Pomeranz, we can turn around and sell Flip him for, for something. something. Um, I really he was traded for Anderson Espinosa. Obviously, they're not going to get a prospect necessarily of that caliber. But just don't forget that Drew Pomeranz has 710 innings of a 392 ERA and about a strikeout per inning. That, that That's the only point I'm making here. And as late as he's going, as free as he is, I could see a little something. I mean, I think there is this idea, because they have been mentioned as a mystery team for Harper and Machado. I think they're, honestly, I think what they might have been doing was trying to drive up the price on Harper so the Dodgers couldn't <laughs> for get the him. Dodgers, yeah. Uh, but uh, if for some reason they were to land them, I think they're leaving that op- that option open to try to make a run this year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that would be stupid, because the Giants are just atrocious. I mean, again... That rotation, you can magic fairy dust it into some health and say, okay. Belt is their cleanup hitter. There's something there, but then the offense is just not good. And uh, I think they have three, two really strong trade pieces in the bullpen with Will Smith and Tony Watson. And then the third who could be good with Mark Melanson. Um, Sam Dyson, you know, seemed to get back on track. He's always... Someone's always interested in Sam Dyson, so they'll, they'll they'll be able to flip him. So they should be able to make a lot of moves. I'm surprised they haven't really done anything in the offseason. I guess they're looking to make the moves in season. So we'll see what Farhan Zaidi does once uh, once things get rolling with spring training and whatnot uh, for the Giants. Last move here, even smaller than the Drew Pomeranz, really, even though he's going to be a more full-time role. Uh, Brad Brock into the back end of that Cubs bullpen. They don't have a set closer. I think Pedro Strope gets the job to start, though, with uh, with Brandon Morrow hurt. I think even Carl Edwards Jr. is next. But Brad Brock has closed before. He's been a great reliever before he wasn't last year. Uh, is Brad Brock somebody that you see potentially being an NL-only fill-in? Can he get his strikeouts back is really the bottom line question because he had three great strikeout years, over well over a K per inning, and then last year really came back to the pack. And like I said, 
had a pretty meh season. The 359 ERA might not tell you that, but the 160 whip sure as hell does. So Brad Brock, is he somebody who can get his stuff back? Because his swing strike rate was still there. I think of the velocity returns. Uh, okay. And then the velocity was down over or about a mile an hour from the previous season, about a, almost a mile and a half uh, from the season before that. And when his fastball is operating at 95, 95 plus, then we're looking at a guy that will miss the bats. And I think he, if, if the velocity is back, I think he's got a chance to be back. So he's one of those guys that I'll be kind of checking in with like Jeff Zimmerman um, when he, in spring training when he, he's kind of monitoring those velocities and we see if yes. we, we start seeing, if we're seeing him start at 94, 95 in spring or, or in, at 94 really, then we'll know he'll gain by the time we get to late spring, early summer. And that's an indication that we should buy in on Brock. Agreed. I think that that's a, that's a really worthy consideration there about the velocity piece. And then he is a saves potential candidate. Like he's in the mix then. And you never know because it's a wide open bullpen there. Again, I would favor Strope as the front I'm runner. And then in every league. I mean, he's just he's still not that expensive, even though he's going to open the season with the job. He could keep it too. Even when Morrow comes back, I don't think he's so ingrained if, as if like a Morrow, lockdown closer. Yeah. That's that's the real thing, is it if. And then I like my boy Carl Edwards Jr. So I'll, I'll be keeping an eye on, on him as the speculative guy. But Brock is in the mix. Um, solid signing by them. They needed to reinforce their bullpen. I really think they needed a lefty, though. I thought Miller or um, who was the other big lefty on the market? There were two. Britain. There you go. I thought Britain would have been a great fit for them after the Cardinals, their nemesis, of course, got Miller. But they're going to go with uh, they're going to go with another righty here. So not a bad move. They still do have Mike Montgomery and Brian Dinsing. Not terrible lefties, but they don't have that that ace lefty back there so uh, all right so that moves that does it for the moves let's get into some shortstops because as i mentioned this is arguably the deepest position on the infield and maybe on an offense as a whole um, it's a really strong position remember we're a few years remo- removed from it being pretty bad so to so to be where we're at now is is really impressive for shortstop and uh, so we have plenty to talk about here. We're going to start with the top tier. Like I said, I am going by ADP on the NFBC website. Set it to 1-1 uh, 2019 until today, which is the 25th. Now, if you listen to this after the 25th, you might have to just go back to the 25th to perfectly replicate it if you want to follow along. But you'll get the point either way. So that's how I'm kind of grouping these tiers. And uh, we're going to talk about them that way. So we'll start with the studs and these are the guys that are all going in the top 20 picks on average it's francisco lindor trey turner alex bregman manny machado javi baez and trevor story going um like i said five through 20 on average first off flat out who's your favorite who who in an ideal world at their price would you want out of lindor turner bregman machado baez story Ooh, i mean my favorite yeah, just, at but their, you have to pay their price. I mean, I'm totally down to pay the prices on most of these guys. So, uh, Same. But I think Trey Turner at his price is my favorite. Okay. Uh, Talk to us about little Trey Turner. I'll set it up a little bit, though. Trey Turner, if you think he had a disappointing year last year, you're wrong. Yes. I, I, I've heard that thrown around, and I, you know, I he's a little bit. It. it is false. Uh, his batting average was down a bit, career worse, 271, but that doesn't kill you. 
uh, career high 19 homers. He played full 162. He hit 19 homers, 43 steals. I understand that people, you know, with 46 and 98 games, if I'd have told you that he was going to play 162, you'd have put 50 plus. But the way stolen bases are, it still matters that where he was commensurate with the league. And um, he was still, I think, second to only Whit Merrifield, right? Yeah, he led the NL in stolen bases. Yeah. So, yeah, he didn't get you your 50-plus, but he was the second-best stolen base at, uh, asset out there. 103 runs, 73 ribbies. Yeah, yeah. 19 yaks. I mean, so spare me walked, that his, his walk rate went up, which is a really good sign. Uh, like there's nothing there's nothing that you can say that is going to make me think that Trey Turner isn't the number 5 pick in in well, drafts this year. Lindor would be the only my only pushback. Well, who's who's your, who's your top Lindor's 5? Three. Oh, okay, fair enough, fair enough. I so, thought you were saying over Lindor. No, no, I can get behind that. No, I mean uh, for me it is Trout, Betts, Lindor, Ramirez, Trey. I think I can get behind that, and then Arenado maybe. I'm, I'm an Arenado guy, but I understand those other guys. I love break those Ar- I love Arenado. Uh, I think they're one. Yeah, he he doesn't steal any bases, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. I think that maybe people are overrating the fact uh, or overrating stolen bases again this year. Uh, so I, you I, you can make the argument. My biggest fear is this is the last year of Arenado's deal. The Rockies mm-hmm. have not really done anything to make their team much better. And what if they decide to sell Arenado at the deadline? That wouldn't be super fun because no. while I do believe he can handle, I think not being handle, in course, yeah, it will come fine, but it would come down. It's right? going mean, to hurt a little. Still, bit. Yeah, you would still bring bring his numbers down. Um, but yeah, so I've got him right there as well. But I can get behind that that top five. There, I love Trey Turner. Agree with you that as an eight ADP, if you can get him anywhere near that max pick of fifteen, if you get him with a double digit pick. You're doing you're doing it right there with Trey Turner. I full, I'm in full agreement with you that he is an absolute monster. Uh, he might be my favorite of the bunch too. Lindor at five, I, I like too because I do think that's I, I have him third as well. Um, and then, like I said, I think Ramirez and it's an Arenado Turner debate for me, but I might I might lean toward Turner there at five myself. I uh, I, I like Bregman. He's perfectly fair at 12. Machado at 14. we got to see where he lands. It's not really going to affect it that much. Baez does have triple eligibility. Which is Second, really nice. Second, short, and third. That is so nice. I still and am then, not going to pay a top 15 pick for Javier Baez. He and Story. The volatility. Now you have the eligibility with Baez and Coors Field with Story as things that really kind of give them a little extra boost there even if you – you know, you should believe that they're going to regress, right? They're both coming off of career seasons. You should just build in a little bit of regression, particularly uh, with their profiles. I'm not going – I mean, I'll, I'll build in a little bit of regression with Story, but I'm not building in a ton because Story's done it before. We saw it two years ago. He certainly ago. has. We saw it two years ago with Story. So When he's got the speed, too, I think people are unaware of just how fast he is. Sprint speed, he's a top 10 guy, Yeah, Trevor Story is. And now – where I would build in most of the regression is the 291. I do For think sure. that Colorado can give him a bit of a floor. He did hit 239 the year before, but I do think that that's kind of the low end. But so I if, mean, you say, if we weren't building in some regression for Story, we would be taking him in the top five. Oh so, yeah, because, for sure. I mean, if if we weren't building, so I think the fifth, you know, the what pick 19, 19. is already building in that regression. 
Yeah, yeah, so, that 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 definitely works. So I kind of like took him. Story, I think sixteenth in the Rotowire Mag Magmock. I like that. On the, Anything on the in the second round works for me with, with Story. I mean, as early as sixteen, right there on the wheel. Um, it was just announced actually that uh, Colette and I are are picking on the wheel for the labor mix draft. So we'll have that fifteen sixteen there, and somebody like Story's absolutely in play for us. Um, because with Coors Field there, I just I, I don't see a cratering. And he did bring the strikeout rate down. I don't think that's getting enough run that he struck out twenty six percent of the time. That's that's fair. That's reasonable. That's not bad. If you're under the thirty percent mark with this kind of power and speed capability, when he was trending, you know, mid thirties is was the problem. But down at twenty six percent, I like that. By the way, interesting about that. Uh, I've been playing this out of the park baseball game that I advertise obviously at the beginning of the show. And they have all these different cards from all the different eras. And, of course, they're scaled to their era uh, in terms of, like, their ratings. And so they have a rating called Avoid Ks. And Dwight Evans it has a 15, 15 out of 100. So he has a, it's red. It's, it's poor for his Avoid Ks in 1981, his fantastic season during that strike-shortened year. Do you want to guess what his strikeout rate was 17%. that year? 17%. It was 17%. Oh, my God, really? You nailed it. Wow, I was just like, okay, it's got to be less than twenty. Uh, Can you? He is a red. Amazing. Like he, they're like, nah, dude, he didn't avoid case. He, he was, he was poor. He was really yeah, poor at that. He's in the bottom fifteen percent of the league. <laughs> he was like fifteenth worst in the league. Couldn't believe it. And he was a uh, he matched strikeout. It was one to one strikeout to walk. Dead even at 85 apiece, um, you know. So he had a great eye. Like it's like he was striking out some egregious amount, but his 17% was poor back then. So it's just crazy where we've come. Uh, but that that's with regards to Trevor Story improving there. So we like that entire group. Let's move on to the the next level, which I just tabbed as more studs because these guys are are right there. Uh, they they've got some interesting question marks in terms of maybe some health, some track record. Or, or even maybe some potential profile growth that we haven't seen yet but could be in there. So we'll start from 7 to 11. It's Aldoberto Mondesi at pick 40, Xander Bogarts at pick 49, Carlos Correa at pick 52, Glaber Torres at pick 64, and Gene Segura at pick 68. Um, and I actually did include Corey Seager because of what he's done in the past, but he does jump down to pick 88 there. So there's a little bit of a split, but I, I, I like him more in that group than the next one because of his history so uh let's just talk about this group in order here because i think they all deserve some mention so let's start with mondesi we've, we've had our discussions here but just give us a recap of where you're at with mondesi going as a top 40 regularly ranging as high as 28 and his his max picks only 53 so he doesn't really dip too much below uh his average who uh you were talking about on a recent podcast with Nick about that you are willing to change your opinion of a player based on something you see or based on their value. Mm -hmm. And that is Mondesi for me because I loved Mondesi coming into last year. Uh, I'm pretty sure you can go back to our middle infielders episode last year and at the end and probably hear me talking about, I love him as like a deep sleeper if he ever gets, you know, a chance to play because they kept. He was a major prospect. Yeah, yeah. They they, they re-signed Alcides Escobar, and I remember being pissed about that. Not that either of us thought he was going to do this in no, seventy-five games, not. but it was somebody like he's twenty-two. He's an uber prospect. He's got the whole you know family pedigree. Keep an eye on Mondesi, and then of course 
he goes off for 75 games and he's now a top 40 pick. Yeah, and that's the part I can't get behind. I can't get behind him going in the top 40. Uh, I, I understand that people see what he did last year and uh, in, in 75 games, uh, and they think that that is repeatable. And the projection systems are, are backing it up, and I think people are seeing that yeah. and going, okay, that's repeatable. But I, I can't buy that a guy who is probably like a true talent 230 hitter who doesn't walk is going to get on base enough to steal 50 bags. And I think that's what people want. I think people think that this is a Trey Turner type guy. Uh, and he's not, not gonna without have, improvements. Yeah, he's not going to have Trey Turner's average. I don't think he'll have Trey Turner's power. Uh, and I don't think he's going to get on base enough to steal 40 or 50 bases. Now, I could what be a- wrong. I could for sure be wrong, but I think I would much rather have him in the area where, like, Jonathan VR is going. I was just like about to bring him up. Seventh round. Yeah. I always bring him up, though, because I just say, I, why wouldn't I just take the cheaper version? You know, I love Mondesi, too. Like, we're, we're fans of the player. I'll be rooting him on. I hope he beasts out, even though it won't likely be on any of my teams. I just want to see him go ham because he's a fun player to watch. But why wouldn't I just wait four round, three, four rounds and get Jonathan VR? How are they different? How's VR not actually a little bit better with uh, his his raw skills in terms of plate uh, plate discipline with uh, his strikeout and walk rates? He also has some punch, and he can run like the wind. We saw him have that amazing year in 2016. That's at least an upside for VR. It's a real upside. And uh, you look. Okay, here's a question for you, though. What if Mondesi has a full season and he puts up 1432, the same homer SB totals that he did last year? Obviously, he'd be adding volume to the runs and RBIs. But what if he just goes 1432 with like a 260 average? And what if I told you that was going to be the season? Where would you then draft that? Mm, So 260, how many home runs? The 14 homers that he hit last year, oh, the so 32 he's just, he's just SBs. He's just repeating those. He's just repeating that, but of course, adding volume to the uh, middle to the, the runs in RBI round, I guess. Middle to late second round. I mean, so do you th- that's like th- Whit Merrifield without the average, right? Yeah. So do you think he's going to fall short of that? So basically, what that would be? Yes, I think is VR's season last year. VR went 14:35 in a 515 plate appearance season. Hitting, I actually hit 260 on the button. So, what do you think, Mon? What what what's your projection for Mondesi then? I'm probably going to be at about eight home runs, thirty stolen bases, to twenty average. So you're very suspect on the power and average, big time. Yeah, I mean it's in Kaufman, or he's in Kaufman, which is not a great place for a little like guy like that to hit for power. Uh, I don't think he's necessarily going to be going for power either because he's going to at least start the season towards the top of the lineup, if not mm-hmm. right at the top of the lineup. Uh, I think he's going to steal 30 bases. I think yeah. that is going even to with happen. the 300 even OBP. If, yeah, even if he doesn't, even if he gets benched because his yeah on base percentage is atrocious. Uh, so I think even in a part time role, he could steal 30. He could steal 40. He probably could steal 50. Uh, I think the the power and the average are very, very suspect to me. I think the RBIs are super suspect to me. I even think the run scored, because I think that Kansas City offense is going to be atrocious, uh, is going to be. And I'd much rather take a guy like Whit Merrifield um, 
who I who I, who I believe in He's the still skills cheaper. better. Yeah, it's I I he, took Whit Merrifield in my draft champions. Uh, I believe. Merrifield's going either right around or yeah he's going to a couple picks he's not cheaper pardon me pardon me on that Merrifield but Merrifield's only six picks more expensive has second base outfield eligibility and yes he's older but he's also more established and has a firm uh you know set of plate skills that can kind of keep his his floor much more stable than Mondesi's um I'm not quite with you on the pop I think there is a little bit more pop uh again I think the somewhere in the 13 to 16 range for a full season. I'm not extrapolating anything close to what he did last year. Basically just going to give him the same homers. Um, I think if he, I think he can do that though. Just go 14, 32 again, add, add runs and RBIs. The average is kind of the the decider there though. Is it going to be with a 230 average? So he's going to have to volume his way to that stuff. And when he does get hits, he does damage or can he maintain, you know, uh, outrun the strikeouts a bit so to speak because of his babbit uh keeping his babbit high with infield hits and skittering some through the infield with ground balls and whatnot and maintain like a 260 plus that could be a key driver for mondesi so i'm a little bit more optimistic than you but he's got the he's risk got a worse than average or worse than mlb average exit velocity and launch angle uh i just think that he, I, I think the power is going to have a hard time sustaining at the at the level we saw last year. That that I mean, it's it's fair. I just um, I still think double digit homers are there for for Mondesi. I wish he would walk. If he would walk, God, if he could, dude, talk to VR, please. Just say, hey, we're basically the same player. How do you get some walks? Yeah. Not that VR is like a, a a walk god or anything, but he understands that. Hey, sometimes I got to get on first. The, the old-fashioned way and just take uh, take is, some balls This here. reminds me of VR going into, was it last season or the season before? Going into season, 17. I completely agree. We exactly already made what, this mistake. Yeah, this is exactly what happened. And I fell for it last time. Oh, so me this too. This time I'm not me falling too. for it. I was saying take him in the second, third round. He has but a stable floor. But the other thing floor. I was saying was he has a stable floor because he walks. Exactly. Same, I was lockstep with you. And instead his he – kind of displayed skills similar to Mondesi. He had a 30% strikeout rate, 7% walk rate, which is actually almost double what Mondesi does. So even his crappy walk rate for VR was better than what Mondesi does. But um, yeah, for me, it's it's that simplistic. I either take Whit Merrifield before Mondesi or I take VR a few rounds after him. Speaking By the of, way, uh, VR and Clay Link, uh, he just acquired uh, VR in uh, the Rotowire Dynasty Invitational. Just got Ooh, an alert. Got him in RDI. That's very interesting. What was the uh, what was what were the terms? I'm I'm, I'm grabbing him now because I just got a alert. There's been a lot of trading going on in that league uh, early on. Very active. Yeah. Very active. Uh, so uh, trade with uh, Rob Silver, uh, who okay. uh, is a, 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 f- a friend of ours. Yes. Ooh, interesting. Yes. Link traded. Mike Clevenger for Jonathan VR. Ooh, Clev Dog for VR. I mean, hey, speed, man. You got to pay a yeah. premium. I offered him uh, Donaldson for Clevenger. He was he's got a ton of pitching. That's not that's not a bad offer either, but he wanted that speed. I understand it. Uh by the way, we're talking about VR. I'll make this mention. Since I am going off the NFPC average draft position, it's a 20 game minimum. We won't have guys who could add shortstop or will have shortstop eligibility at 
against uh, leagues with lesser thresholds. He did play 18 games there last year, so anything obviously 15 and below, um, he's going to have it there, including like your Yahoo and whatnot. I'm honestly just thinking about it, so I didn't think to add those guys. You'll just have to bear with us on that and um in the future ones i'll try to i'll try to get those guys who are going to either add it in season or will have it at at leagues that don't require the 20 games but 20 games is the standard so you know going by that uh, is at least a great starting point but anyway spent a lot of time on mondesi so let's go through a couple of these other ones xander bogart's Somebody that I continue to love. I still don't think we've seen the best out of him. Pick 49. He might be my favorite of this bunch here. Um, I just think that there is a power average, you know, just monster season capable. You know, he hit the 320 back in 2015, and he hit 23 homers last year. I think there's a season where he combines the two and maybe even goes higher on the on the power. He's only going to be 26. He has, um, you know, 32-32 plate appearance, 3,232 plate appearances under his belt. He's well-seasoned. I still think there's more to this profile. And this is coming off of a fantastic season, so no shade on what Bogarts has done. If you, quote-unquote, only get a repeat or something around that, you're fine. But I think you're also buying some upside here. So I like him at pick 49. How do you feel about Xander Bogarts? Uh, I'm, I'm kind of ambivalent. This, is, this whole tier is something I'm fading. Okay. If I don't get a guy, yeah. If I don't get a guy in the top six, uh, especially I'm usually targeting pitching in these rounds. Makes sense. I'm I'm probably going to fade this entire group. Even though I like Bogarts, I like Segura. uh, You know, I dislike pretty much everybody else. The one thing about Bogarts is he only played in 136 games last season, so he hit those 23 home runs in limited time and he's been a guy that's played at least 144 in each of the previous four seasons in the majors Mm -hmm. so i could easily see him maybe maybe he doesn't hit 300 or 310 i think he could hit closer to 28 29 home runs i agree steal double digit bases uh and i think where he's going that's a pretty decent deal i just i know the way i draft i will likely miss out on unless he falls uh, or one of these other guys falls, you know, a huge amount. I'm going to be out on virtually all of them. He's kind of lived in a tight band, 31 to 56 for Xander Bogarts. So uh, unlikely to fall being on Boston uh, doesn't help either. But you never know. You get in the right room and everyone's kind of focused on pitching or Drafting addressing other Yankee positions. Yeah. yeah, a bunch of Yankee fans. They boost their push their Red Sox down, and all of a sudden you're getting him at like pick 60 or something. That'd be a, that'd be a steal for Bogarts. But I like him. He's probably my favorite in the tier at his cost. Um, I understand that if it just doesn't if it's just not in the cards of the draft order to get him. You might have to pass. You mentioned you don't really like the rest of this tier outside of Segura. Carlos Correa is somebody who, you know, has been living off that first 99 games for a decent while. And I and I love the talent. And he's another one that I, I still don't think we've seen the best from. But I'm not sure I want to pay for it anymore because he doesn't run yep. anymore. He's it now five for six. going into last year. Correct. It was. You were very vehement on that because he, he had been two for three that year. And, yeah, there was some missed time. But even if you extrapolate – what he was going to be four for five or something you know who cares it was it just wasn't that much running uh for carlos correa but he missed another big set of games 109 110 games the last two years power was down it was a rough season but even if okay you 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 give him a pass on it for the healthy say he's gonna come in healthy you're gonna get what 280 28 
and and some good counting numbers on the runs and in, in RBIs. That's not bad. There's, I'm not I'm not shading that. But it's not that, that dynamic though. Yeah, it's not it's not special anymore. Two things happened since uh, Correa was last good. One, he stopped running, like you said. He's no longer getting those double-digit stolen bases. Two, the rest of the shortstops in Major League Baseball got better offensively. Yep. They, There's they been pushed, they pushed a ton past of him. breakouts. And there are a ton of breakouts that offer a ton of speed. And so, But people are still drafting Correa based on his name value and not his value... Uh, that he's actually been returning. This is a guy that's having a really hard time staying on the field. He stopped running. Uh, I still think he could be, you know, a guy who hits 20-plus home runs with a good average. Uh, but I mean, if he went 30, 100, 280, I don't think that would shock anybody. No. It certainly shouldn't. But he has to stay healthy, too, now. I mean, how much different, and obviously people are going to get upset when I say this. Uh, I can't like, wait. How much different is he than Paul DeJong? In... <laughs> Paul DeJong can hit 20-plus home trouble. runs. He has already, hasn't he? Didn't he hit, like, he 20? He hit for average at times. Yeah, like, I mean, is he... I mean, like, I'm, like, obviously DeJong is, like, a poor man's Correa, but I think if I started let off with, you know, Correa is just a rich man's Paul DeJong, I think people lose their mind. All right, check check this. The last two seasons, they played a pretty comparable amount of playing time. 949 point appearances for Correa, 933 for DeYoung. 39 homers for Correa, 44 for DeYoung. The runs, a little bit more split, probably due on um, not so much, not just their team, which the Astros have been a bit better than the Cardinals, but where they bat in the order, 142 to 123, so a bigger advantage for Correa, but not insurmountable. And then similar with the RBIs, 149 to 133, 5-2 to in the stolen bases, who cares, 278, 273 on the average. So Correa does have advantages everywhere except for the five homers, Hundred picks in eight. But your point, that's your point, <laughs> is that they're a hundred and twenty picks different. Fifty-one versus one eighty-eight. Yeah, I think it's worth considering because, yeah, are we saying that the young is Correa? No, no but no. can you fully can you replicate pretty much what what Correa can do? And this At is that why I'm giant discount. And this is why I'm fading this entire tier because there are guys that we'll talk about a little bit later that I really like, and I'm like, why am I going to spend a top fifty, a top sixty, a top hundred pick on a shortstop if I miss out on the studs? I love the studs. The top six guys, I'm willing, I'm I'm totally fine taking. I, I want and, one, I, yeah, and I will be stoked if I get one. If mm -hmm. I miss out, for instance, in in this draft champions. Uh, league I'm in, I had the first pick. So obviously I take Trout. By the time it gets back to me, all these guys are gone. Yep. Uh, I'm waiting. Dude, give me the Paul DeJongs. Give me the uh, Jorge Polancos. Give me the Willie Adamases uh, of the world, and I will make it work. Yeah, because there's actually another tier beyond that before we even get to those guys. Mm -hmm. But let's finish up this one. Neither of us have been super keen on Glaber Torres. He's fine, but I just don't see a dynamic season, maybe a little bit of a sophomore slump. I'm worried about, you know, just as, as he kind of settles in, I could see, we talk about it, you know, prospect growth isn't linear. He's obviously no longer a true prospect, but like he's going to be 22. I think he could stabilize a little bit, maybe put up like a, a 110 sort of WRC plus with a 260, 330, 460 type of season with low twenties homers and, you know, 
seven steals over the course of a full season or something like, you know, not bad. Like you wouldn't be mad, but you're not getting full return. And it's going to add more to your point about why would I pay for this? Now he could also go dynamic and take the next step too, because it's not linear. Doesn't, it doesn't mean he's automatically going to come back for Torres. He could also surge. He does have the two B SS double eligibility as well. But for me, it's just, I'd rather wait. I, I'm just not that enamored of of him. Uh, I feel like you are quite similar here. You obviously have expressed your disinterest in this tier, but what is it about Glaber Torres specifically that has you saying, "Eh, I'll pass"? I think everybody saw that hot streak he had when he started, uh, and, and hit what 15 home runs in the first half, uh, and he went, went crazy. Off, and it did it with a huge out. Like I think he hit. Here we go. He hit 294, 15 home runs. Uh, it just. I know I understand why people got really really excited and then they didn't realize that like he wasn't very good. He still hit for a little bit of power, you know, 9 home runs in the second half, but he hit 249. He really struggled. Uh this is I think he is a mix between the two, which makes him an interesting guy. Mm-hmm. That being said, I'm not banking on him taking a massive leap forward or anything. I think what we saw last year is probably a fair line for him, minus a little bit of average. I think he's probably going to hit more like 255, 260. So 24 home runs, 7 to 10 stolen bases, 250, 260. Yeah. And that's that's fine, but that's not who I want on my fantasy team, especially when we were just talking about guys further down the list that can do that. Yes, I, I agree. So it's just it's it's more of I can get what Glaber Torres does or what I think he's going to do as kind of his his mean projection later there is upside that he has and you're but you're paying a premium for that and so if he doesn't hit it it's like damn why Yankee why didn't tax. I get Yankee yes, tax Yankee tax for sure why didn't I get somebody else and you know put in Jorge Polanco or whomever well I don't want to spoil all the other guys coming up that we like but uh you know it's guys like that so next up is Gene Segura one of the other ones that we both ended up liking in this tier and he's a little bit cheaper uh he does jump down after you go with uh glaber torres at 63 oh never mind i thought he was i thought he was in the 70s he's only four picks cheaper four or five picks but i'd rather pay for segura at the cheaper price than than glaber torres i think he's going to do well at the top of the philly lineup there is a little speed component there but again you're just out on this tier because of the other guys that you're drafting and you can replicate his 10 20 and maybe not get the 300 which you do you got to love the 300 is nice. and he, He's probably going to get 100 runs again with Philly because I think they're going to be better than what the Mariners were last year, and he scored 91 with them. So let's call it 10, 20, 100, and, uh, and 65 ribbies with a th- you know 300 average. That's a great season, but can I get something pretty damn close with the upside to match it 50, 70, 80 picks later? I think we actually can. So that's the problem with Segura. I love Segura as a player, and I actually th- I'm a little bit higher on his line than you. I think okay. the mo- move to Philadelphia will increase the, the power. power. To come back. You're right. You're uh, right. And I think he probably will steal a few more bases. So I'm thinking like a 15-25 with a 300, okay. which is great. It's awesome. Yes. Uh, and especially if they do sign Harper or Machado and put that bat behind him, oh. then you're looking at you know we just talking about the Giants lineup being atrocious. Philadelphia's lineup would be awesome. Like well, 110 runs possibly because yeah. I mean, he he can um, 
he's a high contact guy. Like he mm-hmm. he hits that three hundred. That's the key driver in his OBP. He's not a walk guy, is Segura. But you know he gets his five six percent to kind of supplement issue, his big average. He could get moved to the bottom or like you know six seven spot. If, That'd be problematic if, if that happens because like I said, he doesn't walk. You know, you maybe you want to put McCutcheon to Harper three, uh, Hoskins four. So. Ah, yeah, yeah. But as it stands right now, he should have a one or two spot in the lineup first. Gene for Segura, sure. he's good. Not a bad price. If it matches your draft plan, take him. But uh, Justin suggested he's looking at pitching there, and I'm hoping to already have a shortstop there, so that's probably why I'm kind of avoiding him. Let's jump down. It is about 21 picks, 2021 picks to Corey Seager, but I kept him in this tier, like I said, because of his history. Going back to the Glaver Torres thing, why wouldn't I just take Corey Seager at that point? Because he does kind of the same thing where it's, it's pop, a little chip in speed, and the batting, I think... Glaber's I mean, probably going to have more steals, but then the how, batting average. How many games played does Seeger have? That that's and that the becomes the question. Is you know, uh, I, I never want to disagree with Vlad Settler because I learned my lesson last year with Christian Yelich, and he <laughs> he was all over Twitter uh, a few weeks ago talking about how like you know seeing Corey Seeger drop into like outside the top eighty picks is a travesty, and uh, and that he's gonna he's gonna make people uh, you know regret it. I mean, one, I think he has the same problem as Correa's. The dude doesn't run anymore. At uh, all. But the, at all. that that's the counter there, though, from the Correa pick. Why not just take Seager 30 picks later? That's sure. the analog there. But I still don't want him because I have no faith that he is going to be able to stay on the field the entire season. Uh, what kind of playing time projection would you give Corey Seager? I think I'd probably... 450 on the plate appearances. appearances okay okay i i here's the problem with seager is he could i mean he went 600 plus the previous two seasons in 2016 2017 and so we know that is in the range of possibilities mm-hmm. the problem is the the lower end range of those possibilities was last year and if you use you know a, a sixth seventh round pick on Corey seager and or even a higher pick, depending on how the depth of your league, uh, you may get 26 games. Yeah. Like, that is well within. Back injuries are scary. And he had other issues. And the hip, and the Tommy like, John, of course. Yeah, a Tommy John. Like, it's just, he's had a ton of issues. He was always supposed to move over to third base because uh, they didn't project his body to stay there uh, at shortstop. They haven't done that yet. Blocked off, though, with Justin Turner. Well, they could always move Turner over to second. How dare you take Chris Taylor out of the lineup, you bastard. Put Chris Taylor in the outfield. Then who's going to play short? Oh, oh yeah. Or, Jack yeah, Peterson? Put, put, put Chris Taylor at short. There you go. There's your answer. Uh, I think Seager's a better shortstop, so I think they're going to keep him uh, there. But uh, I disagree there. Uh, Chris well, Taylor's a better shortstop. I, I, I don't know what the might, defensive it, metrics say, but... Might be a situation where the uh, the the more established uh, potential superstar gets to keep the position. Yeah, you, you the, franchise the spot player. There. Yeah, he gets yeah. to do what he you know keep him happy. But at the end of the day, I I think if you're projecting more than four hundred plate or four hundred fifty plate appearances for for Seager, you are setting yourself up to be really disappointed. Even if you project mm-hmm. six hundred, what is that like? Look at all the projection systems. The bat has him for twenty four home runs. 
uh, ATC has him 21 home runs. Depth charts has him for 24 home runs. Steamer it's, has him 23. It's not like anybody is projecting him to hit 30 bombs. No, it's the batting average and counting categories. The runs and ribbies is where you really get your value with Corey Seager. But he has to play, obviously, to deliver that because a shortened season, when your key component is batting average, a shortened season really robs the value there because what you want is the 600-plus plate appearances of a 290-plus batting average and, and, and the 100 no runs. no idea what he's going. I mean, this is a guy who's always hit the ball hard, mm-hmm. uh, you know, barrels the ball up really well. But we have no idea what he's going to be like after all these injuries. I lean closer to Vlad, where I do think he's finally at, at something of a, a value price with Seager because he was overrated in past years Mm -hmm. and like I was just saying if you like Correa I really encourage you to bypass him and just get Seager I just can't really see enough of a difference there to pay a 34 pick premium uh, on Correa they're both in great teams you know they both have the same injury they have injury concerns etc etc take the discount you have the same same profile there so that's where we're at on Seager you have understandable concerns about the health I cannot push back on those because they're 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 valid they're they're right front and center but um, I will end up probably with at least a share or two of Corey Seager I did take him in the pitcherless mock but that was when he fell even further than this uh than this 88 ADP for Corey Seager so let's move on to the next group here this is probably when you start to get back into potential look potentially look Looking at your shortstop, if you didn't get one of the studs, I labeled them as the last, uh, the last of the potential starters that you could really slot in and have a set shortstop. Jose Peraza at pick 95, then it's a jump down to Jerickson Profar at 121, Tim Anderson 128, Ahmed Rosario 135, Elvis Andrus at 166, so that's another jump down, and then Eduardo Escobar at 179. So it's a range there going from 95 to 179, but it's an interesting group nonetheless. A lot of speed here with uh, Peraza, Anderson, Rosario, and Andrus. And then a couple guys who are a little bit of the Swiss Army knife type with Profar having three positions, Eduardo Escobar having two. He also adds third base. It's third base and first base for Profar. Again, we'll start favorite out of this group at their price. Uh, my favorite's Ahmed Rosario. Okay, talk to us about the burgeoning young shortstop for the Mets there. I mean, he, he definitely struggles with getting on base at times. I think he'll improve that as uh, as he goes on because he's shown the ability to walk more than he has in in the minor leagues. Uh, he's not he's never going to be a high walk guy, but I mean, he should he should walk around seven eight six seven percent um, up from the five percent we saw last year. Uh, I think he will hit for better contact. Uh, he's just he's got enough pop, and I think he can steal. And there's no reason he's not going to play on a Mets team that got a little bit better this off season offensively. So I just I like the price. I like the growth potential. This is a former top prospect. I think mm-hmm. pedigree does matter in that regard. Uh, I could see him being a Gene Segura without the average. Yeah. Yeah, sacrifice some of that average. And honestly, he could even boost it up, not necessarily to the 300 of a Segura. But if he hits 280, um, then you are kind of replicating Segura 
at uh, at a pretty sharp discount over where Segura is going. Segura was what sixty eight, and you have Ahmed Rosario at one thirty four, one thirty five on average. I do like that. He really closed out the season strong too, with fifteen stolen bases and five homers in the last two months of playing time, hitting about two eighty four. So that's a glimpse into what Ahmed Rosario could do. That's when he was a set it and forget it starter as well. They really just locked him in there. Um, not that he was getting a ton of off days throughout the other part of the season but he got his biggest plate appearance uh months as well at 119 and 120 respectively so i like i like rosario too i think there is some nice upside i like what the mets have done we've talked about them regularly because they're in the news almost every week with a move they've really strengthened that lineup he shouldn't be stuck in the eight spot i think it's probably going to be seven uh but he could actually move up too depending on how he does um i think he'll have a hard time moving up i was actually as i'm looking at it it's tough if, if unless Lowry gets hurt, and then Rosario would have to be doing well enough to go up to two Even then, behind like, Nimmo. I mean, he he hit that two eighty four with a forty two point two percent O swing. Oof. Uh, he make he made a lot of really good contact, uh, but man, he he is good. He's gonna have a hard time maintaining uh, big average gains uh, if he's not going to spit on stuff outside the zone uh so i i think i think there like there's reasons to be excited about him like for me I, I wish he was he should be going later and that's that's the part i wish he was going a little bit later and he was a little bit more of a steal i'll probably end up fading this whole group again and he does going. have a wide gap though so maybe like 91 to 170 although i wonder if the price is gonna be on the rise because of what the mets are doing so Good. maybe he tightens up that gap because the max pick is 170. You're not getting him there, but if you can get him in the 150 range, that would be a nice little, uh, little, little discount boost for I Rosario. Think I'm still fading him and, like I said, the rest of this group. Profar is interesting to me because of the multi-position eligibility. Yeah. He might be better off at first. I know that's insane to say because he's not some big bopper. I just did a piece on first and how thin it is. Um, I might put his 20 and 10 over there at first base though. <laughs> Ideally not as my starting first base, maybe at corner, but, um, you know, the depth of shortstop there is, I could envision a scenario where I don't actually use Profar as a shortstop well, he's, instead he's a taking advantage of first third. with other guys like, like a Whit Merrifield and a Profar, like you can just move guys all around your team. Yes. The entire, and I, I like especially that. Especially in a daily moves league. Uh, I value flexibility for yeah, sure. For sure, and so I, I like Profar in that regard. I just again, there this next tier we're going to talk about after this one to me is just such a sexy tier that that's my, your wheelhouse. My middle infield is always going to come from that tier, and a lot of times, like I said, if I miss out on one of the elite guys, I will I will be probably just double tapping this tier, this next tier. One of the bigger shocks of the season last year was that Elvis Andrus stole just five bases. Yeah. There was that no was reason to expect elbow. that. Yeah, I mean, injury obviously robbed a lot of his season. He only played 97 games. But, um, you know, this was a consistent mid-20s guy who had spiked, you know, obviously higher earlier in his career. But 27, 25, 24, 25, the previous four years coming into this season, you would not have expected such a drop-off because you know he's not a blazer either. It's not that he lost a bunch of speed. It's it was he- uh, uh, he wasn't healthy and just had a dud season. Six homers, five stolen bases. It was brutal. 
Is this a prime last year's bums candidate, though, to pick up at pick 166 and get back to, say, 8 and 25 on the homers and steals? I think it is. I think this is a guy that in, in this tier, if you're, if you're, if you're shopping here, Andres is a guy people should be looking at because while he really struggled after coming back from that broken elbow, you can imagine not wanting to risk sliding headfirst into a bag uh, after you've just broken your elbow. Yeah, I, I, I totally understandable. So, you know, hopefully he's completely healthy coming in this year. That is off his mind because he only attempted seven stolen bases. Uh, in that time, you know, after after he came back on June 18th, uh, he also hit 245, which is very uncharacteristic of him. He got extremely unlucky though, 289 BABIP, uh, uh, to kind of support why that average dropped the way it is. I think he's going to bounce back. Is he, he's not going to be the guy he was? Uh, what was it? Was the year before last? Yeah, 17. That massive 20 home 25. runs and 25 stolen bases. But there's no reason to me to think that he can't steal 20 bases uh, and hit uh, what nine home runs, eight, nine home runs. Yeah. Like Seven the steamer projection add, add some steals uh, seems fine to me. 266, 322, uh, 394, nine home runs. And then they, they project 11 stolen bases. I'm going to project 20. Yeah. Uh, I think it gets his speed back. Cause I don't see any reason to believe that he's going to stop running last year was an anomaly. It's a very clear outlier in Andrus's career. He's probably my favorite here um, because I think the price is really fair. I like Rosario as well as far as an up-and-comer. But then Andrus on the last year's bums theory uh, I think is a, a really nice discount here. So I, I like him. Eduardo Escobar ain't to deal with the with the D-backs. He's going to be their primary starter there at third base. Obviously, they, their lineup took a hit when they when they moved Goldschmidt, but Escobar is going to be at the top of the lineup. He'll still have David Peralta behind him, uh, driving him in when he gets on base. So he could have a pretty nice season. He's he's put up some decent numbers. I think Eduardo Escobar. You go look at his career. He's been a nice fantasy player now for for a couple seasons. Doesn't really run. I think sometimes he gets confused with Eduardo Nunez, and he's believed to be a base runner. He's not. Um, uh, maybe I'm projecting because I've done that. I, I've had the two uh, similar profiles, and he doesn't. He doesn't run. He has 14 stolen bases in his career on 28 attempts. He's dreadful. But back to back 20 homer seasons now. Uh, popped 84 ribbies as well. 75 runs, 272 average. That's a hell of a season. That you know we're talking about pissing people off again. If he repeated that and he goes 2384 with a 272, how is it that different from Carlos Correa? <laughs> now he's now Correa's got a lot more upside. He's gonna he's he, gonna get more runs and RBIs. He is a legit shot of it's 120 picks more. Though. Yeah, it's it's really hard. And I mean, I'm it's, just it's saying the Corey Seager thing too. It's like why is is, is Escobar Corey Seager light? Because all yeah. he doesn't get is the average. Yeah, now, yeah this again. is obviously hyperbolic, and people are gonna yell at me. Uh, on Twitter for this, but at the end of the day, I'm still fading him too, but uh, I would much rather have the discount on Escobar than take a guy like Crayer or Seeger. Yeah, we're trying to replicate profiles here. We're not saying that Escobar's on their level. First off, he's like six years older than both, and they have much more upside. But we're talking about range of outcomes and what can happen, and unless you have Correa and Seager down for that big breakout, if you just kind of have them where they've been, 
than Escobar at pick 180 versus 88 or 52 for Seager and Correa, respectively. I'm just I'm just throwing it out there. Honestly, I'm just trying to piss y'all off. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's let's move on. Oh yeah, Tim Anderson. I just I can't get beyond the the plate profile. I understand that he does he's able to put up fantasy value in spite of that. And last year he was a 2026. Uh, guy with the 240, so you plan for the bad average, but you're going to get a double-double. He went 17-15 the year before. He's efficient on the bases. Uh, if that team does get one of the whales in the free agent market and they improve their their line, you know, you not only figure a Machado or Harper addition, but then bring in Eloy Jimenez, that's two big additions. Um, so maybe his runs and RBIs go up a bit for, for Tim Anderson, depending on where he bats. He, now he's projected to be in the bottom of the lineup, and if they do, if they are adding a stud there, maybe he can push, I don't know, 75 ribbies. But again, I see a 276, 281 OBP of the last two years. That just grosses me out All so right. much. I, I'm going to ask you a question. From okay. July 1st on, what do you think were Tim Anderson's home runs plus stolen bases? Home runs plus stolen bases from July on. And he had 46 total in the season. I'm going to say 20. 16. Gross. With a 231, 250, 381. That's vile, man. That's vile. I can't pay this price. I just cannot. I'll take every other person in this tier over him. Yeah, he he started off the he started off the year really really hot. So mm-hmm. and I and I think people still remember how hot he was the previous season uh and then he started off the year cuz you know, April and May, he hit nine home runs, stole 11 bases, hit 243, 305, 436. So triple slash is at least palatable. And then you're getting nine home runs in 11 stole bases in two months. Then the final three months of the season, he is much worse than than that. Uh, same awful plate skills. It's, mm-hmm. it, people were really excited, too, because he was walking in, in, in the first two months. And then that disappeared again. This is just not a good baseball player. <laughs> just, <Yikes. laughs> I mean, it, it, at least fantasy it is, wise, though. defense he's fine, you know, and so and that'll keep but him with on the that, field too. With that kind of profile, it is scary because the bottom can just fall out, you and then if the playing time dries up. Yeah, you got back to back six oh six plate appearances as they start to develop in Chicago. If somebody comes up and, and steals his spot, now I don't know if they have any middle infield prospects that are really uh, on the cusp. They have a lot of infield and pitching is, is kind of what their uh, farm system's built off of. But you know, but they could easily. I mean, I think they're going to sign Machado. I think Machado ends so up. So then there, Machado can take shortstop. Yeah, exactly. Or they third, can, and Yomer can. Sanchez could be breathing down Tim Anderson's mm-hmm. neck. So uh, and they've also, I do believe they've. Oh, they've got uh, Madrigal. Uh, that's a, right. I don't think he'll be up necessarily this year. Yeah, but he is their best middle infield prospect. So he he could he could play second. They could move Moncada back over to third, uh, and all of a sudden, you know, eventually you're looking at him uh, uh, Anderson being out of a job long term. Two eighty six so. career OBP that that puts you at risk. That absolutely puts you at risk there. Um, quick word on on Jose Peraza, somebody I wasn't really into in previous years. I just thought. Um, I didn't really want to pay the premium for the speed. Did have a power uptick last year. 14 homers, really nice. Um, and it's not like he had some major surge in his homer to fly ball rate. He he went from 4% to 7%. So 
So, you know, not bad. Hat tip to him. Put up a 14-23 type of season with a 288. I do, you know, he's not a walks guy, but he doesn't strike out either, 11%. I've come around a bit on Peraza. I'm more open to him. Still not somebody I'm going to take in this profile or in this uh, in this range here because I'd rather just take my, my Andrus pick, you know, 70 picks later. So, you know, st- stuff like that. But how do you feel about Peraza? Is he somebody you're interested in at pick 95? Not that high. Uh, I, I mean, I, I like, you know, one of the things that we saw last year was he, aside from the power, he actually, uh, you know, he, he kind of rebounded in the average department, which is a, a really nice sign uh, mm-hmm. for him because he's a guy who doesn't walk either. So there was a lot of warning flags after a lot of people, a lot of people going into 2018 or 2017 were, were predicting a like huge uh, year from him. Uh, and then people kind of cooled off on him last year, and I was one of the people who was like, well, he's going to steal 20 bases. Like, and he did. He did, and yeah. you got a nice little bonus in the power. if you, if you He had a hell of a season last year, Peraza did. Yeah, I have a hard time believing that he's going to repeat the numbers of last year. I think he could lose some in the average department. I think he could lose uh, – he should probably regress just a tiny bit uh, in the speed department – or uh, in the power department. I think he'll still steal 20-plus bases. Uh, which is fine. I think there are guys who can do what he's going to do later. And the Reds have a really stacked infield situation that's going to get worse. Uh, and so at some point, what happens when they want to bring up Senzel? Because they're yep. not going to play. Well, they're not going to play him over Suarez. They're not going to play him over Jeanette. That's part of why Shed Long was expendable, mm-hmm. by the way. You know, solid hitter, but a middle move, infield guy. They move Senzel to the outfield, which, you know, complicates that crowded situation even more. Uh, but you look at somebody like Jonathan India, their pick last year, he mm-hmm. could be a quick riser, too. Not saying he's necessarily going to debut in 19, but, you know, he's going to be a college product, great hitter. Uh, he's going to be breathing down the neck of, of those guys at the major leagues pretty soon. Like he, if he made it to the majors this year, I wouldn't be surprised. I'm not projecting it, but I think it's in the in the potential outcomes. And if Peraza struggles at all, they'll bench him because this is a team we've seen with the moves that they've made recently. They want to try to compete this year. I don't know why, yes. but they want to try to compete this year. <laughs> what do you mean? I mean, yeah, you always want to compete. I, 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 I think get, they're doing some I, good things. But like they're they're they've been on the track of a really good rebuild, a really nice rebuild. They have mm-hmm. some really nice pieces. That division, if they were in the NL West or That's the, the AL Central, I'd be all for these moves. Even though I, I think they're, I don't know. I, I, I hate the moves actually. It's like it's like we need to go get a pitcher. Let's go get Sonny Gray, who's like the worst fit for our park ever. Um, but uh, nah, he'll be fine. He's gonna be atrocious. Nah, um, you're wrong. Yeah, atrocious. Nah, you're wrong. It's gonna you're it's wrong. gonna be a complete and utter disaster. Not um, not a chance. <laughs> but uh, they like I said, they're going to try to compete. And if for some reason he struggles, he's hitting the bench because they have a ton of options. So I think there's some risk, and I'm not willing to pay the price based on that risk. Yeah, there's just cheaper guys than Peraza, so you have to be careful there. Um, that can kind of do what he's doing, particularly with the speed, and it, especially if you're not cons- uh, if you're not convinced that the pop is going to hold, which is the uh, the 14 home run surge there, up from eight combined in his career before that, across about 800 plate appearances. So, uh, all right, that's those first few tiers. All right, next up is the 
group I've labeled the strong middle infielders. Ideally, that's where you're putting them here. Of course, if you are strong everywhere else and, and you haven't drafted a starting shortstop yet, you could get away with it. Um, you'd have to have great pitching and and really deep outfield, a premium first baseman, et cetera, et cetera, right? We know that sometimes you're going to have a starter at, at one of the positions that um, is deeper along unless you just focus all offense. But let's start with this group here. We got Garrett Hampson, a favorite of both of ours, at uh, 183. And he should add second base, by the way, like quickly. He will. Because that's where he's going to play. Uh, Paul DeYoung, previously mentioned, 188. Jorge Polanco, 195. Marcus Simeon, 204. Willie Adamas, 207. Loris Gurriel Jr., 208. And Andrelton Simmons, 209. So this group, you've been hinting at it. You love this group here. We both love Garrett Hampson. Um, they've added 52 infielders to try to just toy with us and and make us feel bad about what's going to happen there. Um, I'm frankly surprised they didn't just re-sign DJ LeMayhew in addition oh, to God. some of their other moves. But thankfully they didn't. But they did bring in Daniel Murphy, which, you know, he should go to first base, he's of gonna course. Play, he's going to play first or mostly first. Hopefully that that's just where he is. Pushed Ian Desmond back in the outfield or the bench, really. As much as I'm an Ian Desmond guy as I am, I've always been a fan of his game. It's the game has dwindled without a well, doubt. They're not so, benching that contract though. So that that's that's, that's, that's the problem. Not gonna, it really but, just uh, sucks let him play Tapia because yeah, Tapia gets the hit. Uh, Ryan McMahon uh, is back. You know, still going to be on the bench. So get, Hampson should get his shot at second to really be free and clear. He's a total blazer, like a super speedster. Yeah, 80 grade speed. Very excited about his game. I think he is a super speedy DJ LeMahieu, which is nice because DJ LeMahieu is an average god. Now, maybe he's not a 300-plus sort of guy, but shave off 20 points of that. Give me a 280-plus guy who can steal legitimately 30-plus bases, and I'm here for it. Um, And so I think that's where Garrett Hampson's at. He's my favorite of this group easily. Talk to us about your love of Garrett Hampson as well. I I just think he's one of those guys that if he nails down that role, and he's going to be given every chance to do so, uh, I think he could steal 50 bases. Mm-hmm. Now, the question is, where is he going to hit uh, in the lineup, and will they let him run as much as he can? Uh, on the bright side for Garrett Hampson is, unlike a lot of other speedsters, Dude takes a walks. Oh, he knows what's up going yeah. on up there. And yeah. doesn't strike out either, nope. so the combination is nice. So the problem is with Dan- the addition of Daniel Murphy, while I think he Daniel Murphy will play first base, uh, Daniel Murphy's going to hit second in this lineup. And yeah, which we were hoping Hampson would, yeah. but not a chance now. So, Nor should he, frankly. Daniel Murphy's still going to be a monster, sure. dude. Uh, but I do think... If they hit him seven, which is what roster resource projects him for, they'll probably let him run a little bit. Uh, he should avoid eight because of Ionetta. So that's what we need. And and so we should get that. I think six or seven, depending on what Desmond does, um, will drive Hampton, Hampson's spot. Mm-hmm. So I just I'm, – I'm... – I'm worried. The only, I'm just worried the Rockies are going to sign one more player because what the Rockies have, yeah, what the Rockies have done over the last few years is they built this amazing farm system and then blocked everybody, uh, and that's been kind no of their mo. And uh, actually, one of my guys from Friends Fantasy Benefits tweeted about it, and the Rockies commented on it. 
<laughs> what they say. That's They're hilarious. Like, well, that's not really accurate, but okay. Ryan McMahon still doesn't have a spot. Where the hell is Brendan Rodgers going to play? He should be ready this year. Like, Ryan Maltapia can't buy playing time. He's only 25, though, so it's not like he's some, you know, super old guy, but. <sighs> You got a lot of age on that club. They kept you mentioned the Aaron of the world, and yes. you know, they brought in Ian Desmond, and uh, they they just blocked all these prospects. And so, uh, I mean, I guess this is their way of trying to compete this year because, like I mentioned earlier, this is Arenado's last year under contract. So mm-hmm. let's give this guy a shot uh, in term or give Arenado a shot to win a ring, and maybe he'll want to come back. Uh, I mean, I don't think that'll happen, but, and I don't think this is a team that is going to necessarily compete, uh, though they, they could. That offense should be better than it was, and the pitching staff is actually pretty awesome, uh, especially in the top two, and if John Gray can ever figure something out, uh, that'll be uh, that'll be a really nice uh, top three for them. Yeah, they're right there. I think the Rockies are absolutely yeah. right there, and our boy Hampson can be a, a key cog. So uh, I'm still drafting him. You know, I don't know where the price is going to be by draft season. Obviously, we have to wait to see if they do anything else moves wise that would I think push him Daniel out further. Because he was really starting to climb up the ADPs, but the Daniel Murphy signing has really scared people, which is nice for us because I think Good. we were yes. going to push him super high up uh, in, in terms of <laughs> ADP because you and I kept talking about him. Uh, and I was really afraid that he was going to get like an Albies type jump. Yeah, and that 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 is that was a valid concern, but now but it should still, temper. Yeah, I mean he's still a high pick of one thirty nine over the over this month. Uh, so if he goes there, that's in between Ahmed Rosario, or just, we'll just say right by Ahmed Rosario because the next shortstop is um, Andrus at one sixty seven. So um, it'd be a by by Rosario. I still prefer Hampson. So even if he moves up to his min pick, which is unlikely, I think his ADP is more likely to boost up around uh, and actually really be firmly in between Rosario and Andrews. So in between that 135 to 167 range, somewhere in like the 150s is where I think Hampson will live. I'm still paying that. I have no problem paying that. Yeah, um, I, I think I think he's a steal where he's going right now. Uh, obviously, like I said, there's risk that playing time could become an issue if they make a move or he really struggles and they decide, okay, well, never mind. We'll bring up, we'll, we'll br- bring back up Ryan McMahon or we'll bring up Brandon Rogers to, to play second. Uh, so there's obviously some risk there, but the upside is huge, especially if you're light on Agreed. stolen bases. Agreed. So Hampson, our favorite for sure. Uh, next up, Paul DeYoung, you already said he's better than Carlos Correa, mm-hmm. uh, talent wise, no matter, you didn't mm-hmm. say anything about cost. No. You said he's uh, just no a context, just much yeah. better player. Just, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, a, a better person too. And you know, how you said, I take, that. you said, take Paul DeYoung at 51 yes. over Correa, mm-hmm. like the, this one, seven. Don't, no, don't, no, I mean, don't you wait. take him in the top eight, <laughs> like you used to with Carlos Correa, I believe. Yeah. You I have said. to. You have to take him there. <laughs> but 188, and we already talked about him a bit in terms of like what he offers with his power. Um, he was somebody that I didn't like last year because of the cost, and now the cost has come way down. And because he's had made improvements in the weakest part of his game, which was both taking of his, a walk yep, and played a prank. And strikeouts. Yeah, so that was the big concern was he was 28% strikeouts, 5% walks. I was like, dang, I like the power, but no way. And the cost was way up, so I was avoiding him like the plague. Now, I didn't know he'd get hurt and only play 115 games, but that tampered uh, the price now. And 
25% strikeout rate, 7% walk rate. That's not that's not so awful. I can work with that. And maybe there's even a little bit more growth going into an age 25 season. So, uh, you know, Paul Young is somebody who looks pretty nice. And if I'm slotting him into my middle, I feel really good about that, to be honest, because that's nice pop. That lineup is is deep and uh, impressive out in St. Louis. So, you know, we've, we've sang the merits here of, of Paul DeYoung at his cost. He's somebody to keep an eye on. He could go 30-90 for you with a 260 average on, on the high end. Now, yeah, be, some of course, people top be worried season. that after he came back from the hand, I think it was a hand injury, uh, that he hit 231. Mm-hmm. He, he had a 266 BABIP. Uh, which he's always, I mean, one of the things we wanted to, we, we thought was really going to regress from previously was, I'm pretty sure he had like an insanely high BABIP in 2017. Yep, 349. Three, 349. And so, it was because he smacks the ball, though. His, mm-hmm. He has a barrel, he was a barrel god that year. Now. It, yeah, so while the BABIP did regress, it shouldn't have regressed that far. He should Correct. still be, like, he's got a career 317 BABIP. That seems right. Yep. I agree with that. So Paul DeYoung, um, I think we'll both end up with shares of him. It seems like we've really, uh, with the uh, deep dive, I, had, I hadn't really draft, considered it until this. Yeah, in this draft that I'm doing right now, unfortunately, I've got two listeners of the podcast uh, that follow me on Twitter. Um, <laughs> I may throw dump, them some. Yeah, so the, they're probably going to snipe me now. Uh, but I will likely double tap on like a DeJong, Hampson, or even another three, the th- next three guys we're going to talk about. That's right, because you're in the one spot, so you do get your two picks in a row. Um, yeah, next up, Jorge Polanco. Really excited about Polanco. Mm-hmm. Price has come way down. Obviously, he had the PED suspension, and so he only played a half season last year. But when he came back, he was right on track with, with what we saw in the second half of 17 that boosted his price in the first place. Six homers, seven steals. Now, seven of 14, so that's bad. I don't think they're going to completely red light him, though. They might yellow light him a little bit. But honestly, if I just get like 12 to 15 steals, that's fine. I think I can get a 15-15 275 season with some solid runs in RBIs because that lineup, despite not having much superstar power, I think uh, Nelson Cruz is a superstar bat, but it runs pretty deep. And he's going to be at the top there. I like Eddie Rosario. I like Nelson Cruz. I think Scope can bounce back. Um, even Sano and Buxton, they're, they're two you know projects that they're really hoping come through. They're at the bottom of the order. They don't need to be elite to make this lineup worthwhile. Um, so I think Jorge Polanco is going to have ample opportunity to score. He has a solid 8% walk rate, does not strike out a ton, so he can get on base at like a 335 to 340 clip. And uh, I think he's going to be really solid here. He's going to be age 25, former prospect as well. Go and pick 195. I think that's a really sharp price on Jorge Polanco. He'll be on some of my teams without a doubt. You know, uh, I was going to agree with you. And I'm seeing some warning flags, which now I'm uh, kind of a little bummed that I just traded for him in Dynasty League. Uh, he's got Don't some, be bummed. He's got like some of the lowest exit velocity. It's um, all right. And barrel percentage. Uh, he's got to get his PEDs going again. Just give him, yeah, give him, that's, <laughs> give him a little I mean, bit. that's a bit scary. I still like him. I still think he's a guy that can hit double-digit home runs and steal double-digit bases. The one thing I will say about Polanco, as much as I like him, there's another guy even further down this list that I think does the exact same thing as him. Oh, okay. plays much better defense. Uh, is it? It's not the next guy, is it? Uh, oh, no, it's Angleton. No, no, it's not the next guy. Uh, it's, it's but it's Angelton Simmons, isn't it? At the end of this no, list, no, it's not. 
Oh, okay. It's a guy that is in the deep cut section. Um, it is Orlando Arcia. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm going to probably pass on Polanco, even though I do like him. Uh, I don't know that I see him ever being a 15-plus homer guy. I think he's probably more of like a 12-12 kind of guy which with, okay. a deep, with a good average, which is fine. Uh, and yeah, that's a, it's that a plays. good player. Um, but I think I can get that kind of player from Arcia. Uh, and you like Ar- do you like Arcia's upside more? I mean, don't yeah, forget well, Polanco's twenty five though. He could still Arcia plays in grow. a better park. Arcia is a True. premium defensive player, uh, and is playing on a better team. Those are all true statements. I know. So I can get behind that. I know that's why I said them. Um, but I st- I still do like Polanco. I understand the concerns. Pick two hundred ish, one ninety five. Twenty five. So like he could still grow into more power too. Yeah, there there is some potential growth there. We saw a, a three. 45 BABIP that that drove his 288 average last year. I would not project that, but I like him for better than the 278 that he had in 2017. Of course, he had an interesting season there where the early part was pretty bad, and then he broke out in the second half. That's what drove his interest last year. But now the price is is down. I like Ori Blanco. Uh, You're not wrong about Arcia being interesting, though. He's somebody that we have talked about in the past. As, as being a guy to keep an eye on, and now his price has tanked. He's at 332. We're going to actually talk about him, not the next group, the one after that. But let's finish with this one. Uh, Marcus Simeon is actually kind of similar to Polanco in that he's just a bland double-double that you can just kind of ink in. I don't even think you have to pencil it. I think you just kind of ink it in there. You're going to get your double-double. Um, the batting average won't be as high as what Polanco I, I think can do. It'll be more in that kind of 250 range, but it's solid. It's like almost a set it and forget it. And his defense greatly improved. That used to be a concern with Semyon was that are they going to take him out because he can't field that well? And so now he's a liability. He completely turned it around last year, really giving credence to the idea that we talked about before that you can really improve defense in the midst of like hard work. That's the one thing that hard work alone can just be can can improve. It's just work, work, work at it, and your defense can get better. Um, so he's played 155 plus games in three of the last four seasons. He does still have a 27-10 season on his ledger, and that was with Oakland. So don't think that Oakland like stifled his pop last year. That's why he hit 15. It's that is uh, between the 16 and 18 seasons, his home and a fly ball rate cut in half. So if he gets back up over 10 percent, which he's only done that one time, the 14.7 back in 2016. If you can get back up there, I think we could see something in the 20s for Simeon's pop. How do you feel about Marcus Simeon? Is he somebody that you'd, you'd like at this uh, at this cost of 204? Yeah, I've been a big Simeon guy in the past. So I think that uh, I still believe that he has 20-plus home run power in that bat. Uh, I think that he may have been one of those guys that, we've t- that I've talked about uh, on here that – tried to increase his launch angle and maybe took it a bit too far and needs to just mm-hmm. kind of level it out a little bit more. Uh, but it was nice to see him to kind of rebound after kind of an injury plague 2017. Steals double-digit bases. Uh, is going to probably bat somewhere in the middle-ish, six-ish probably for the uh, the A's uh, who have a pretty decent lineup. Uh, and you're right. Like the, the biggest thing with him was always is the defense going to prevent him from uh, getting full plate appearances, and last year he really showed 
tremendous improvements on defense. Also helps have Matt Chapman to your right. No doubt. That does take some of the burden to, off yeah, of him. You don't have to necessarily worry about ranging to your right quite as far. Exactly. You can almost shade over up the middle a little bit. Um, and so that's, I mean, yay, use the advantages that are available to you. That's going to continue to be there for uh, Marcus Simeon. They have a similar lineup to Minnesota since I'm kind of comparing him a little bit to uh, Polanco, where it just runs deep. They don't quite have a whole lot of superstar talent as far as uh, their their offense goes. I love Matt Chapman, but I'm not saying he's an uh, overwhelmingly excellent bat, but he's solid. And then Chris Davis in the heart of the lineup, Matt Olson. I like the two Mats and Chris Davis, but they really run one to nine with solid players. Um, and and Simeon's going to be part of that. He's probably going to bat in that seven area in between Piscotti and Ramon Laureano, two guys I like. So, yeah, I, li- I like Simeon. I think his price is completely fair. Let's move on, though. I got two young guys here. I'm going to make you choose between one of them, though, and, and you can focus on that. Willie Adamas for Tampa Bay or Lourdes Gurriel Jr. for the Blue Jays at 207 and 208. So they're right by each other. Guriel does have the added second base eligibility. I will mention that. But who do you like better and why? Uh, it's Willie Adamas, and it's not particularly close for me. Ooh, do tell. I think Adamas is going to be a guy that can hit 20-plus home runs, steal double-digit bases, and hit for average. Uh, well, I mean, that would be a better, that'd I, be a better Polanco then. Yeah, I like him a lot. Uh, really, I think he is going to uh, potentially be a huge steal where he's going right now. Shortstop is so deep. And that's, this is why. This is why, like I said, if you don't get those top five or six guys, like just wait. Wait forever and just double tap two guys You know, in this area. Like if I'm leaving a draft with – Garrett Hampson in Willie Adamas or Willie Adamas in, in Paul DeJong or, you know, uh, I'm going to be stoked because the rest of my offense is going to be just absolutely uh, stacked. My pitching staff should be uh, stacked as well. Uh, and I'm just feeling like you, there's so much value at the later end rounds for the, for these, uh, for these shortstops that, mm-hmm. Unless I'm getting a guy that I just truly love in a stud, I'm just going to wait forever. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm really sold on that now. Like I said, I, I kind of liked that second tier a little bit more than you did uh, initially. But now that I'm looking at it, I might cop Bogarts. And then if I can't get him, I am just going to wait. Because uh, I would even skip the last of the potential starters tier that we talked about and move into the strong middle infielders. And then we got the Swiss Army Knives and Deep Cuts coming up. And they have some interesting players, too. Um, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. did have that big run in July. That was really the foundation of what he was able to do, though. It was really one run. He is going to be age 25. He's not super young. Uh, doesn't have a great plate profile. I actually wrote him up in the forecaster. So I'm a little bit more well-versed on, on his season already than I would normally be. It was, like I said, it was a 17 game run where he went off and then he got demoted. He had two injuries. He was pretty mediocre outside of that. Uh, you know, there's some contact there. There's some, there's some batting average upside, but I don't really see much else. I wish and he so, walked a little bit more than make me yeah. feel a little bit safer about his profile or strike out a lot less. If it yes. was like a, if it was like a mid teens K rate, then I can take your three to 4% walk rate. But yeah, as it is 22 and three, start, people are going to start and they already did start throwing out of the zone and just watching him chase. Yep. I, I would just take the next guy. 
who's has pretty much the same ADP. I'd rather have Angleton Simmons, who I think is is a pretty steady Eddie at this point. You talk about the playing time, the, the defenders who are just going to be able to set it and forget it with their playing time. Obviously, that's Angleton Simmons. An injury cut him down a little bit last year to 146 games, but still 600 plate appearances, 11 homers, 10 steals, 292 average. Um, he doesn't strike out, because which does make up for the fact that he doesn't walk much. I would greatly prefer Simmons to uh, Gurriel. So, yeah, I think in this tier, I like everyone but Gurriel, if I'm Pretty being much. honest. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I'm, you know, I'm a little bit lighter on Polanco than you, but Simmons is a guy that I think the speed will tick back up. May not get back to 19, but I think he can get back to 15. Uh, I think he was a little bit less likely to run because he he was hurting. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think he should hit double-digit home runs. So we're talking about like a 12-15 guy uh, with, you know, good average. He hit 292 last year, even if that regresses back down to 280. I think that is a, a pretty nice guy this late in the draft. And again, just double tapping with another one of these guys, and you've got a, two pretty nice guys in your shortstop in middle infield. Yep, completely agree there. Um, that's going to wrap up that tier. Let's move into the Swiss Army Knives. A little bit self-explanatory. Now that we've had we've had a few already, but they were in better tiers, like the Jerickson Profar, Javier Baez. Obviously, they can they, they're not included there. They have that added value, but these are the guys that you're pretty much taking because of their versatility. And that's Cattell Marte uh, at pick two thirteen. Chris Taylor at 214. By the way, Marte has second and short. He'll add outfield. It looks like he's going to start in the outfield. Chris Taylor, shortstop and outfield. Marwin, first, second, short, outfield. Marwin Gonzalez, he needs to obviously get a team right now. He's still out there uh, rolling in the wild as Drupal Cabrera we didn't talk about him in the signings on purpose he did sign with Texas because I knew we'd talk about him here second sh- short and third uh Kike Hernandez second short outfield Hernan Perez you jump down a bit more with him down to 384 those other guys Marte through Kike were 213 to 311 range down to 385 you get second third short outfield out of Hernan Perez and then Yairo Munoz out in St. Louis has the same four as Perez second third short outfield he's picked 400 so let's talk about the Swiss Army Knives here you got to love putting one of these guys, ideally on your reserve. You really shouldn't have to pay too much for these guys. Put them on your reserve. They can play multiple spots. Marwin obviously had the huge breakout in 17, came back to the pack big time last year, but did surge late. And so I'm still really interested to see where his landing spot is. His price will likely go up if it's a favorable landing spot. I I, I think it is worth mentioning that he was never going to do what he did in 17, like I consider myself one of the bigger Marwin fans, and I still was fully aware that we weren't getting anywhere close to that. But 275, 352, 492 in the second half with 10 homers was pretty nice for Marwin. He he did that in just 56 games too. So uh, his landing spot will be interesting. He's probably my favorite of the bunch. I've come around on another guy. I mentioned uh, Perez or Peraza, who I who I'd come around on recently. Cattell Marte is another one that was never really a fan of and um i saw that i saw that he has like raw speed but he never uses it he doesn't run much but he added some pop last year he should get another full slate of playing time i'm a little intrigued by it this late because he's going to have that second short outfield who do you like out of the swiss army knives uh, i know you like chris taylor you already talked about liking him give us some thoughts on some of these guys here that you like and who you might draft well to be quite honest I like all these guys. 
and I will probably end up with a share uh, of one of these guys on each one of my teams because I love just having that multi-position eligibility. I probably like Hernandez the least. TK Hernandez? Yeah. Yeah, because it's playing time. I mean, wh- yeah, where, where's it he, coming he from? He plays against lefties, and that's it. Uh, and so Marte has a full-time job. Chris Taylor at the moment has a full-time job. Uh, Cabrera has a full-time job. Marvin Gonzalez, just go sign with the Angels, dude. Just go play second base for the oh, Angels, and then you can so fill nice. in for uh, Zach Cozart when he needs a day off, coming off of you know a lost year to injury. When Andrew give Lee's, Jay up yeah. and uh, a rest in the mm-hmm. outfield, Cole you know, Calhoun even give a Trout. Arrest. Yeah, I mean, just let Trout play DH for you know. He, mm-hmm. I mean, he doesn't really play center. I guess they'd have yeah, to move no, like, Calhoun to center, corner outfield. But I mean, that I think that's a really good fit for the Angels, and the Angels appear to want to try to win. Uh, soon because mm-hmm. Trout's contract is running out as well. I so, love their offseason. Yeah. I've, heard, I've talked about it on this pod, guest guest appearances. I like what they've done. If they added Marwin, I think that'd be a heck of a move. I think so too. So I, I, if he ends up in a place like that, as long as he doesn't go to Colorado and block Gary Hampson, I'm going to be <laughs> super stoked because that's probably what will happen. I'd be happen. so torn on that yeah. because obviously anyone going to Colorado is a hitter you love, but – it would piss me I'm off. So, so angry, so angry. <laughs> I don't want that. Uh, let's talk as Drupal because he did sign. Uh, he's going to go to Texas. He should have full full run of playing time there. Get another five fifty plus. He's been over at least five fifty now, dating back to twenty eleven. Uh, he only played four twenty five in twenty ten, but then he was five eighty one. So he's he's been a long term full-time player he finds his time um if it's not fully locked in at short it's bouncing around they can bounce him around there in texas if they have some younger guys come up and and they want to move as dribble he quietly put up a 2375 season last year with a 262 that's a heck of a season um he's never been a huge runner but he really doesn't run anymore to any degree of uh of consequence with eight total stolen bases in the last three years combined with you know, over 1,600 plate appearances. So you're looking for that pop and a decent average. How do you feel about old ass dribble? Uh, well, I I think the Rangers were like, listen, we need to get younger. And what's younger than Adrian Beltre? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, they actually can defend it by saying, hey, we, we got, got younger at third base. So. We really did. We brought in a 33-year-old, and we got substantially young. We just Look cut off up. like seven years off our team. Come on, uh, guys. Yeah, he's a consistent like $15 player, though, and he goes so cheaply mm-hmm. because nobody really cares about him. Triple yeah. eligibility. I kind of love this. Yeah, it's perfect, especially if you're in a position late in a draft where you're missing power uh, and you don't want to like – you don't you don't want to go – uh, you know who's who's a good you know a Matt body. Davidson type who's like going yeah to like you don't want a guy who's going to like hit below the Mendoza line yeah uh, you and you just need a little bit more pop Cabrera gives you that and then like you said ton of positional eligibility uh, Cabrera is a kind of a sneaky uh, a sneaky player I don't know what the Rangers are doing in terms of their team like I I just don't get what they're doing as a team i don't really either it, it doesn't i don't know if they're it, it seems like their pitching staff is rebuilding and their offense is competing it yeah because they have age in there and well because you know they can't get rid of Chu, so they have to start him and like we said they brought in a 33 year old uh, as Drupal cabrera so i think they're kind of hamstrung 30 year old andrews so they do have some age there but 
I think it's all right. I think it kind of works. We've talked in the past about how some architectural changes at Globe Life have made it less of a launching pad, but that doesn't mean it's not still a hitter-friendly ballpark. It's just not the overwhelming hitter-friendly ballpark that it used to be. So I think uh, Cabrera's going to do his standard, you know, 20 20- 2075, 2060, we'll say, because I don't know how good that that offense is going to be. And he did hit 75. This is going to be pretty good. I hope, I mean, hopefully, because then that would give him. Andrews, Mazzara. Uh, I still love Mazzara. I do, and Mazzara's working with their new hitting coach uh, to try to un- uh, change his swing a little bit to unlock some more power. I read <sighs> yesterday. So Mazzara's a guy to really watch in spring, but I actually really like. And I, Ronald Guzman, I think, is better than he showed last year. Another guy I wrote up in the forecaster, he was on the Guriel page, and I found some intriguing stuff on him so as well. They still have they still have Calhoun. Wisdom actually looked really good in that short stint at the end mm-hmm. of the season. So, I mean, I think this offense is pretty good. I just – that pitching staff is going to be atrocious. Dude, it's like the um, one-time good like guys. Pitcher. Oh, wait, no, Shelby Miller is 28. Shelby, yeah. So. It's a minor, Mike Miner, Lynn, Smiley, Volquez, Shelby Miller. Like, they've all had – they've been good at one point, but it's been a while. And so, somehow it's an upgrade from last season. That's the craziest part. Yeah, and they have just the bullpen's almost worse though. They have Leclerc, and that's it. Well, Jesse Chavez is a nice little mid, uh, middle relief type of guy, but then it's it's guys that I could do the name game where I just give you like I think people have done like a, a House of Representative or middle reliever. I could do that, and you'd have no idea. You'd, oh have, my no, God. you'd have no idea. That is you don't know who um, the hell these guys are. Next guest we're having, we're gonna do that that game. We have to. Yeah, so. I think I think that's what somebody's done. It was either senator or house of representative, but either or, unless it was one of those top senators that's always in the news. We don't know what the names of all of them. Ooh, Most ooh, people. Ooh, the guest we're gonna have on in like a ooh, week. Yes, we're gonna do it with that person because Mr. Pizza. Yep. Yeah, that person's gonna have. Yeah. Uh, oh, actually, no. I was I was saying. Uh, oh no, I know the other one. Yes, uh, yes, that yes. we're having. That's kind there's of two secret. guests coming up. Yeah, we're not going to talk about that other one. Yeah, but the other one's Joe Pizzapia. I will. I will preview that one. We that's should. We should do that with Joe too. Yes, because that he'll would love be, it. That would be a lot of fun. I think I think he'll enjoy that. So, uh, yeah. So the Swiss Army Knives: Marte Taylor, Marwin Gonzalez, Asdrubal Cabrera, Enrique Hernandez, Aaron Perez, Yairo Munoz. They're all pretty interesting to their own degree. Um, our favorites seem to be um, Asdrubal, Marwin Taylor. And I've got I've garnered a little bit of love for Martin. Do you think he's going to get a full time role? I in really the like Hernan Perez too, because uh, until they bring up Cura, Perez is going to play a fair amount. That's and true. He plays, and he plays he, everywhere. He plays like no joke. I want to say he is eligible at every position except for catcher. Except for I don't think he has first base this year. Oh, that's right. Okay, but yeah. Oh, I guess first base is shallow this year. So I was going to say would who almost cares want about it, first right? base? But yeah, you actually want that. So that's what I'm saying with Profar. You might find yourself like, oh, maybe I should put him in my first base spot because. And that's then if, how- and if you're in a daily moves league, like having guys like this is really important. And if you can get two guys like this, it becomes you. You're not. You're going to maximize your plate appearances on your on your fantasy team. Well, especially uh, it's a huge deal in, in in daily leagues. Especially if some of your premier guys are like that, like the Baez, like the Whitmerfield, and so you are able to just maneuver. And NFBC isn't a daily moves league, but you are allowed to make moves for Friday to Saturday, for Friday through Sunday. With um, so you, you have Monday through Thursday, and then Friday through Sunday, so you can actually make some moves for the weekend. So having that flexibility is very valuable. 
uh, all the time because injuries happen and nobody, you know, almost no one plays 162 anymore. Well, you need to be able to move around. And don't forget that the season is starting earlier this year than it ha- ever has before. Uh, yes. And there are going to be more days off for teams mm-hmm. than ever before. And last year there were more days off previous than ever before. And it's going to be even more this year. This year's another ramp so up. These yeah. multi positional eligible players are really important to fill those off days because you're going to have a lot of days in the middle of the week where half of your team's not playing. So having a guy like Hernan Perez or, or any of these guys in this tier really helps you maximize the amount of plate appearances you're going to get. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. For sure. Uh, let's move on to the deep cuts. We already talked about Orlando Arcia, somebody love, that we're keeping love. a very close eye on. Uh, lo- loved him coming into last year. It was a bit of a flop. I'm buying right back in because the price is much cheaper. He's going at 332. Uh, your favorite player in the in baseball history, yeah, Dansby yeah. Swanson, going I, at 360. I would like to know where all of those Dansby Swanson trolls were. Are they don't they don't come around very often? Because it's bizarre. Yeah, I feel like every time I hear the name Dansby Swanson now, that that uh, gif of uh, Russell Crowe and, uh, and Crow and Gladiator. It just runs through my head. Like, are you not entertained? Like, I totally called that, and they're nowhere to be found. Nowhere. No, they really don't. Uh, they they don't come around at all. Um, Dan Swanson probably not even. That's the bulk of what we're going to talk about him because he's just not that interesting. Scott Kingery on the buyback, three sixty seven. DD Gregorius coming back from the TJ, three sixty nine. Nice. Uh, Brandon Crawford. You know, if you want to set it and forget it, defensive middle, uh, three ninety one. Aledmus Diaz out in Houston at 398 does have third base as well. Um, let's see. Troy Tulowitzki, obviously we know situation with him in New York taking the role for D.D. Gregorius for now at 450. We'll see what happens with him. Tim Beckham out in Seattle also has third base, 451. And J.P. Crawford, who was kind of uh, displaced by the Tim Beckham signing right now. Roster Resource does not have J.P. Crawford starting the season with the Mariners, and his pick down is down at 515. So these are the deep cuts started up again. Deep Favorites. Who's, oh, well, outside of RCA. We've already yeah, obviously discussed why we love him. Great defense, power speed. Uh, I guess my next favorite is Scott Kingery. Yeah, yeah. A guy who was everybody's favorite, like, wide-awake sleeper because he signed that deal to get him to the majors. Uh, He's going to have a hard time finding consistent playing time, but he's going to be used as a Swiss Army knife in Mm -hmm. Philadelphia. And there's no... So he should add eligibilities throughout Mm -hmm. the year. And so he's a guy that I still believe in the talent. Uh, Maybe it's going to take him a little while to... A little bit longer to translate... Uh, but I think Kingery is a guy that could take a major leap forward this year if there's an injury to like a Cesar Hernandez or uh, uh, or Frank or even our boy Segura. Unfortunately, Ho- yeah. hopefully not. We're not hoping for injury, but I agree. And I think uh, it, it's going to become even more difficult because I I do believe that the Phillies. Uh, well, actually, no. I, I think the Phillies will sign Harper, not Machado. So I, I think so too. Uh, but if so, they do, if they do get Machado, that does crowded up even more for Kingry. But Kingry was going like 120 picks higher last year. He was in the he was in the mid twos. And I I, I didn't buy in. Not that I thought it was gonna be a total flop. This is not a back pad. It's I just I, I didn't get in on it. And so I kind of watched it burn from afar. 
But now at, with the price being this discounted, I'm seeing some of those who believed in him so much. I don't know why you would completely run away. Like I, I understand that he put up the flop season, but if you were that bought in last year, you're not going to give a guy more than 484 plate appearances to kind of, I mean, th- th- that was a worst case scenario. Come on. And he was coming off of a, a brilliant uh, two-level season at double and triple A the year before where he had, I think it was like 26 and 30, uh, 26-29 in his homer's speed uh, department there across those two levels with like a 300-plus average. So I mean, I'm even ready. in, like like you said, worst-case scenario type season for him where he's having a hard time getting back on the field because they were trying to compete and he wasn't producing, he still hit eight home runs and stole ten bases. Still went I eight, mean, ten. Is yeah. that that much different than Polanco? Like, yeah, I mean, he went, he went, he, he got he, super unlucky BABIP wise. He had a two ninety one BABIP. Uh, he showed gains uh, later in the season. I think this is a guy that is going to just get better as he's more acclimated uh, to to the major leagues. So, I agree. I think this is. I even the projection systems hate him, and I don't get it. Uh, I think he's going to find his way into four hundred fifty plate appearances. Uh, because he can be that Swiss Army knife, I think he's going to hit 250, 255, and I think he probably is like a 12-12 guy or or with like 15-15 upside and. Oh, even more upside yeah, than that probably, if it yeah. really takes off. But I, mean, I agree, if 12, gets 12 hurt, for Kingery. There's no reason he couldn't re- end up replacing Franco at third if Franco struggles too. So That's true. As much as we've touted Franco on this show, mm-hmm. it clock's ticking. You know, the uh, Judge Judy gif they, of her smacking her wrist. Like, let's go. So. Yeah. It's it's time to really put up something substantial here to show that you need to be blocking off somebody like a Kingery. Because if not, they have paid him, right? The, the, the payment's there. Yeah. They're going to try to get. They're going to try to maximize that deal. So I agree that Kingery is somebody that I'm actually kind of heavily in on at this point in my deep leagues because the price has absolutely tanked. Now he does strike me as somebody who all those lovers that, of, of Kingery from last year would come rushing back if he had a big spring. But as we've talked about with other guys like this, even a flood of interest pushes him up to what 280, and that's that's like eight homer seven steel type of spring like you'd have to go bonkers for that he's at 367 right now i don't think he gets inside the top 300 i'm taking scott kingery i'm gonna have shares 100 this year uh anybody else in this group that you really want to talk about uh let miss ds okay talk to us about him out in houston i th- you have him kind of taking over that marwin gonzalez role of Correct. where he's going to be the swiss army knife there and we talked about Correa's got injury history. Uh, they've got other guys with injury history on that team. I think he could end up getting enough plate appearances to be interesting uh, because he's just going to play all over the place. Which His mean- power came back last year. Remember yeah. he hit that 17 homers in 16. He was kind of a surprise rookie. 18 last I- year. I yeah, I believe he's a he's a Cuban import, right? Yeah, so he mm-hmm. came over from Cuba. Uh, so he's a little bit fully formed when he came over at age 25. Total total flame out in 17, forgotten. Pops 18 homers last year and 452 plate appearances, and now goes to Houston. 
if he can do that 18 homers again, I think the runs and RBIs would be closer to, say, 65-70 as opposed to the 55 that uh, he actually was nice symmetry there with 55 runs and ribbies. He could really jump that up. And like you said, playing time could be there. Now, do they have any designs on maybe trying him out in the outfield at all, or is it just going to be infield? I think um, it'll overhand? mostly be infield. I think they've got enough outfielders, and so uh, I don't think that. Uh, but I think he could. He's going to play some second. He's going to play uh, some short. He's going to play some third. And they've even said that he made DH uh, a, a fair amount too. So uh, there you go. And he's only twenty-five years old, and this is and a guy who's shown the ability to hit the long ball before hit it last year. I, I see what you're seeing on roster resource, but I've got him going into his age 28 season here. Oh, so is there some sort of question with his oh, age? I've, I've, I've done this one before. This is, this, this has been discussed. I don't know if it's on this pod or another pod where he's, uh, uh there, there's questions. I roster about resources getting that. Yeah. Um, cause you, I guess yes, I thought I, I'm pretty sure fan graphs is right. I'm pretty sure. If I'm remembering correctly, the last time I dealt with this issue on air, uh, I looked it up and and Ross and roster resource was wrong. But even still, on the right side of thirty, to your point, mm-hmm. like he's not some old guy. The pop came back. Aledmus Diaz does have some interest, uh, interesting skills there. We got to mention Tulo. I think just because no, everyone raved, <laughs> I think it. we do. We no, do. Just, just don't. There were the raves about his workouts at Long Beach, of course. Best okay. shape of his career. We- let me say this. No, of course not. Let me let me just do this theoretical. He comes in healthy. He's ready to go. And I tell you that he's going to stay healthy through June. And okay. then all bets are off after that, right? Because Gregorius will be working his way back. But he's going to stay healthy through June. What would you expect from Tulo if he were healthy from April through June? I mean, I did expect him not to be on my fantasy team. Uh, because I don't, I, like, where's the upside here? Like, he's, he's an old poor man's version of, uh, Korea. Like, uh, he, he's definitely not going to steal anymore. No. So he may, maybe at best case scenario, he's like a, he hits 250 with 10 home runs over those two months. Damn, 250 is his best case. Okay. Well, you're out. That's fine. I mean, I'm just curious. He hasn't hit. Better than 250 since 2015. He had 254 in 2016. Exactly. Technically better. Technically better. He hasn't hit 255. <laughs> Just asking. Just asking because he is going to start, uh, you know, he's, he has a strong chance to start the season at shortstop for the Yankees, but we'll see. He's not going to um, be. No, Glaber Torres is going to be the opening day shortstop. DJ Mayhew is going to be playing second. Tulo will not be on the active roster. Tulo batting second, wearing number two. He's going to take Jeter's number. Not oh even going to ask. He's going to have it stitched that. on. It's going to be like miss. It's inappropriately stitched. Like it's it's it's, it's crooked. Backwards. Yeah, it's going to. He's like he did it himself. He's like, hey, what's up, guys? I'm here. I'm ready to play. Uh, no, I tend I tend to agree. There's it's much to do about nothing. I just wanted to bring him up. Um, talk about guys. You know, super late that I just have a hard time quitting for some reason. I still like Tim Beckham. I don't know why. Don't draft him, but he's penciled in as a starter for Seattle. Um, I still have just dreams of that 2017, I guess, that particularly that run with Baltimore. But part of that was being in Camden Yards, too, and Seattle's not that. So, um, yeah, just move on. Okay, last bit here. Just going to give me your favorite prospect. There's four who could potentially come up and make some sort of impact. Fernando Tatis Jr., Bo Bichette, Brendan Rodgers, and Nick Gordon. If you had to bet on one to make it 
serious fantasy impact, whether that starts in July or earlier, but just make a serious fantasy impact, who would you bet on and why? Ooh, this is a tough question. So it, it it's easily between Tatis and Bichette. Uh, yes. Rogers is blocked by other guys. I think Rogers ends up probably not making it up till September, uh, if that at all. And I think uh, I think people are still remembering Rogers as a top tier prospect. He no longer is that. Uh, Nick Gordon. The best thing about him is his name, and that's what confuses everybody because everybody thinks Nick Gordon is his brother D. Uh, he, a is speedster, not, yeah. he is not a speedster. He has very little to no speed. And while he will be an interesting uh, everyday player at some point, he's not a, a top-tier prospect either. Tatis is, and Bichette is as well. Tatis has the higher ceiling. Tatis is going to be a monster, an absolute monster. Uh, he's a guy that we will be talking about like we're talking about Vlad Jr. right now in 2020. Next year. Yep. What did what did the uh, what did the White Sox get for Tatis? James Shields. <laughs> Sorry, White Sox fans, get on. So, uh, yeah, imagine imagine him and Eloy sitting <sighs> in this lineup. Um, uh, so, uh, the the problem is I don't think Tatis is up early enough to make a big difference. Whereas I think Bichette could be. Sure, I think that's fair. But so if you're if you're banking on the player that could be the bigger difference maker, you're betting on Tatis. If you're betting on the better chance that you're going to get more plate appearances, you're betting on Bichette. So a volume for Bichette, yeah. Uh, impact per plate appearance, Tatis. Yeah. Um, okay. So for for me, I'm going with Tatis. Like I, I want Tatis more than I want Bichette, just because I think he could be such a dynamic player from the word go. Like he could have a Soto type year where he isn't, he isn't drafted virtually in any format. But then all of a sudden he's getting some draft because of Soto, because of Soto, because no one wants to be left out on Mm -hmm. that. So, but he's still super cheap too. Uh, Tatis's ADP and it's because of draft and holds. He is being drafted three forty one. Um, so and you know he's, get, he he's getting probably, some he, Well, he probably shouldn't even be going that high. That's true. But uh, I'm willing to take the shot on him uh, in like a draft and hold in your like 15 team leagues, unless you have like an NA slot for a minor leaguer or something like that. Uh, I'm probably not drafting any of these guys. Yeah, I agree. Just wait and just mm-hmm. track their progress in the minors and try to jump it early, so you don't have to pay all the fab. But I, I totally agree like, there. Yeah, your super deep best balls, your super deep NFBC leagues. Uh, he he has the potential to have that kind of breakout. Yeah, you know, Bichette's actually got some interesting speed. Uh, mm-hmm. He can hit really well, but he's also got some interesting speed. Uh, but he was only 20 last year at Double A, and he was fine, 286, 343, 453. But he wasn't doing what Vlad was doing, so I don't think he's really going to force his like, way up super year, early until mid last year he was kind of going level with level with Vlad and so I think once they bring up Vlad I think that Bichette is probably up mid-season as well Mm -hmm. so I think that uh I think I think Bichette is probably going to be like a July kind of call up yeah if he goes to AAA they get they let him get some seasoning there and he holds his own I don't even think he has to totally murder it I think he just Holds his own, maybe something like a low to mid 800s OPS. 
that could earn him the call for for Bo Bichette. And like I said, has some game-changing speed, at least based on his minor league stolen bases. He had 32 last year, 22 the year before. Decent uh, decent rates as well. He was uh, at a 74% clip last year. You'll, you'll take that all day. So those are the prospects. I didn't even include Wander Franco because it's – I don't even think that there's a – there's, a, there's not no even way. a uh, on Soto potential – Primarily because of the organization. Yeah, and that, that's they, the they just don't do that. They're not. They're not going to bring up, uh, bring him up, even if they're competing late. Yeah. So. The, the, Wander Franco. He's just not. They don't need him. No, they don't. I mean, they they're, they're built on depth. Like a, they can sustain even a few injuries to where they still wouldn't really need to bring up Wander Franco and, and and just press it. They go the other way. They they slow roast their prospects. That's why I didn't even include him here. Um, and you talked about Brendan Rodgers being blocked all these ways and not good enough to make that blockage really disappear outside of a breakout that we can't really foresee right now. You know, like we got hung up on the Cody Bellinger being blocked. We should have been more in tune with just his skills and how that blockage could be pushed away. I don't see that for Rodgers. Um, so, you know, that's why I do point out cause I'm, I'm careful with worrying too much about guys being blocked now but only if they have the skills to really clear those roadblocks. Rogers and that's really, not Rodgers. The problem with Rodgers is he has, uh, and I just did uh, a prospect minute. We've been doing prospect, uh, 30 team previews and 30 prospect previews during 30 days in January. Uh, and I just did the Rockies one mm-hmm. with Matt Thompson. And one of the things he mentioned was Rodgers has really had his development stunted because of the Rockies organization playing in such hitter-friendly ballparks. Yes, that he has not learned how to be patient and he has not learned uh, how to take walks uh, at the level that he should. Uh, he just hits the bombs because it's fun to do and it, he's in easy hitting environments. And so while you'll see the numbers being really good uh, for him in the minor leagues, those are numbers that have been jacked up because of, of the places that he's been playing. So just be really careful. Like, now's probably a good time to sell Brendan Rogers. Yeah. Before, while there's still that hype potential of a, of a prospect, I agree. Still think of him as like a top 10 prospect and he's not. All right. Well, I got to get going here. We're actually going to head out to the movies. Uh, the position previews, if you like the long podcast, which most of you do, we usually get rave reviews when someone sees the, uh, the, the, the big time run, the, the big run time on these. So you can split it up into two, pieces you know obviously we don't expect you to be able to hopefully you don't have a commute where you can get this done that i would feel terrible for you but uh it should cover your whole weekend all your trips out to the store your dog walks all, all that sort of stuff and uh our next position will probably be part one of the outfield we'll have to break up the outfield for sure but this is great getting into our position previews we're gonna have some guests coming up next week and the week after and uh so justin i hope you have a great weekend and i'll talk to you later 